Barry Alfred's death announced. Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity launched. Texas Pinball Festival coming this month. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine, and I'm joined here with... I'm Martin Ayer, and I'm the editor of Pinball News, and we are looking back on all the events in the pinball world in the month of February 2022. Yes, and um, unfortunately, we're kicking off this episode with another uh, sad story, uh, the passing of pinball designer, veteran pinball designer, I should say, Barry Osler. Yes, a real legend uh, in, in pinball design. Um, Barry died this month, um, age 70, from complications from his treatment for bone cancer, which he'd had for, for quite a few years now. Um, even more um, shocking, I suppose, given the fact that he just very recently taken up a new, a new position at American Pinball yes. as a, a game designer there. I don't remember whether we discussed that last month. Uh, I think the news broke no. just after our episode. So first he was announced to join American Pinball together with Barry Angler. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think he even got started. No, it's, uh, it's a real tragedy. I mean, uh, I mean, Barry's career speaks for itself pretty much. If you just look at the, the list of games that he um, he designed and, and was involved in as well. Not yes. just um, as a designer, but also as collaborating with uh, with other people, right? And and at, and at many different companies as well. He was uh, he was so prolific and such a speedy, um, reliable and uh, designer, but also such such a modest guy. You know, he was uh, he, where they're always the sort of rock stars of the pinball design world. He was so humble and yeah, uh, modest. I would say yeah, and it, it wasn't. It was almost you know just treated it as. The regular day job. Yes, uh, and um, uh, I don't think he understood the passion that some people have with pinball. Um, and yeah. uh, I have to give him credit for being uh, so modest. Um, obviously, some games have... Uh, he's been credited for de- designing, for example, Gorgar as uh, the first, first uh, talking pinball. And then he would immediately tame that down and say, like, well... That just happened to be available, and uh, my game was the first to get it. Yes, but of course it was it was more than just uh, the, the fact it had the, had the speech. It was also such a good game at the time. You know, it was uh, it played so well, and you know, same thing with Space Shuttle. You know, the the game which which many people will uh, credit with saving the pinball industry at, at the time. You know, when when it was uh, it was dying a death and. Um, and suffering from from uh, the video game boom, and uh, it really really brought the the pinball back into the arcades. I, I certainly remember playing it when it came, when it was uh, I don't know exactly the time it came out, but it was very soon after, and uh, it was uh, you know so different and so um, so repeatable. You just wanted to keep playing it and 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 achieve so much on it. So yeah, and of course he was. Uh, Designed many games up into the mid '90s as well, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the more digital um, DMD era. Right. So, yeah, uh, he was uh, very loyal. He, he worked for Williams most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, one of the sad things about his career actually is that, that once William closed the pinball division, he got a um, a desk job somewhere. 
Yeah, he was working. Um, I think so. Uh, who was it for? It wasn't for Betson, was it? It was uh, uh, one of one of those companies. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm he didn't remember. design anything. He was just doing paperwork. Yeah, well, it, he didn't design anything until he was uh, brought back into it. Yeah, it, it, it was at Betson, I think, as a, it was a purchasing manager there. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. Um, and, well, we can talk about it for a long time, obviously. Um, uh, his games are very well liked. He was very quiet himself. Unless he really got to know you, then he would open up. That's At least that's the feeling I get. Yeah, probably talking not about pinball either talking about his other his passions you know the cats that he was uh, he loved and uh, he was a big gun fan as well he enjoyed shooting and we talk for, for hours about uh, different types of guns that he uh, he enjoyed shooting and, and the benefits and and the you know how each one compares so yeah he was uh, he, i think he was kind of probably a bit bored talking about pinball because he's talked about it so much to so many people but we can get him onto some other subjects um, then he was uh, he was very keen to uh, to to talk. Yes. Yes. So uh, um, I have to compliment you on the article that you wrote about his passing, uh, which is uh, available on pinballnews.com. dot uh, oh, Very very, very in depth. So I highly recommend if you want um, to learn a little bit more about uh, who Barry Osler was. Thank you. It uh, does sort of get me down a bit. I'm to I'm to write obituaries effectively or report on the deaths of, of so many people recently you know from from mark at marco and lyman and uh Alan. al yeah al shack and uh and now barry yeah yeah well um let's hope it stops at four yeah yes let's, let's pray for that yes so uh anyway we we did mention that um that Barry was uh, had just been appointed at uh, American Pinball, and, and as you said, uh, Barry Engler had also uh, uh, had his his new position there announced in the in the same announcement from American, Bim- American yes. Pinball, uh, which means he's back because he worked there before and now he's in a different position. Yes, but very strange. He he left um, to go to work for American uh, for Jersey Jack Pinball. He was working at. Um, uh, at uh, American as a service manager before he went over to Jersey Jack to, in the same same role, and that was just a year ago. And now he's back at um, at, at American. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to him. And uh, he's uh, seems to be in charge of uh, his senior production manager now. Right. So that sounds like a step up from uh, from service manager. So it's not like he went back because the lunches are better at American. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe that's the case. I don't know, but um, yeah. Um, so I, I I don't know what that means for Jersey Jack Pinball. And now they they don't have that uh, that that position filled, but uh, or maybe but, they do, but we don't know. Yeah, it's true. They might have might have might have had somebody lined up, but they, they have been uh, advertising for people for quite some time, as we've reported in the, in yeah. this pincast. Well, ironically, uh, Barry Angler is now advertising for people for American Pinball. Oh, right. Okay. Who's he? Yeah. Uh, what, what position is that? I, I came across an, uh, a listing on LinkedIn uh, basically saying American Pimble is looking for an experienced buyer for our Palatine, Illinois office. So, we're not somebody to buy the office, but. Uh, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, a, a, a parts or, uh, yeah, a parts yeah. buyer then. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so, so I suppose that's basically the main news that we could find on American Pinball. Uh, getting back to Barry Osler, what I'm curious about is, uh, obviously, 
he's leaving a legacy of games that we all know and love to play, but he's also leaving a number of designs on the table, um, of which, for example, Pinball Brothers have adapted the Queen design and what's going to happen with that and uh, what's going to happen with the Deep Root designs that he uh, that he did the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, because I don't think, I think you said that um, after he left Williams, which was in mid to late, um, probably about 95, 96. Yeah, so after Junkyard, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, um, although he was employed at various companies, I don't think we ever saw any of his designs go into production, or at least not in not in their entirety. Um, I'm sure he had um, a hand in, in, um, in some of them, but um, at Highway Pinball, um, I don't think he uh, well, he actually got his games out. Well, Queen was supposed to be uh, uh, his first game, I suppose. Um, but I th- if I recall correctly, he designed it as a uh, wide body. And they, last year, when the prototype um, showed up, mm-hmm. um, they turned it into a standard body. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much of that was was Barry's and how much of that was Dave Sanders' work. I think it's a, a joint project between the two of them. They both contributed to that. Um, but I think at, uh, at Deep Root, the, Barry was uh, was no, he was designing his own games. And I think he had quite a few designs ready to go. Well, yeah, food truck. Well, we can't wait to play yeah, that. Yeah, food truck. Which is yeah. basically Diner 2.0. But yeah, what we is that what, what we expect it to be? Well, hopefully we'll get to see something of it. Um, we'll have more on that later in the in the deep root news, but um, yeah, um, what more can we say other than uh, rest in peace, Barry, and thanks for thanks for all the great games. Yeah, absolutely. I second that. Okay, so on to on to more positive news and our second headline of, yeah, uh, and, of this month. And and it couldn't be a bigger contradiction, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, now you and I were both involved in in the uh, the launch of of this. You know, we uh, we we both had advance information, so we could write our our respective articles about it. But it was yes. the the launch of the new P three title from Multimorphic, which is uh, which is entitled Weird Owls Museum of Natural Hilarity. And um, as with uh, all P three titles, it's it's mostly uh, the upper part of the playfield is the module which uh, which you purchase but this is uh, multimorphic's very first licensed title and it's uh, well it's it's, it's, it's packed big, in every sense i think yeah it's it's a big license to begin with of course uh, some might be disappointed that it's not uh, a big marvel uh, superhero type of thing um, but i think it's a perfect theme for the for p3 platform yeah, and especially if you look what they did with it, um, this game is screaming fun in capital letters, I suppose. <laughs> yes, um, there's a, a joke there which I can't uh, can't repeat on uh, on a family podcast like this. But um, yes, it's um, it's it's a long time since we've had a game which is actually funny. You know, it's uh, I can't even think what the what the well, last one uh, would be. Elvira comes to mind, uh, although that was supposed to be funny, but um, yeah. when I played it, uh, I didn't find it that funny, to be honest. That might have changed in the meantime with code updates. Deadpool I did find funny. True, yes, that was that's a good good call on that one. Um, although I didn't 
well, I, I always always kind of hoped it would have been the the movie yeah. license rather than a cartoon. But uh, I think they did a great job with it. But anyway, getting back to uh, Weird Al's Museum of, of Natural Hilarity, right? Um, it's a, a really packed playfield with with so much in it. Um, do you want to do you want to take us through all the stuff that's well? That's okay, actually so on? here comes a list. If you're <laughs> not into list, then this is your moment to get a coffee or something. So we're looking at three ramps. Uh, uh, two ramp and transfer lifts, a spinning mechanical hamster wheel, rotating UHF camera with ball lock that locks up to three balls, uh, an upper play field, and um, uh, I'm trying to think from the top of my head. Uh, well, the, you just have to look at the website because it's too difficult to explain. Uh, what's on there? It really is. Back. It has three pop bumpers, and I was like, "Yeah, uh, uh, where did they put them?" I originally thought there were only two, but uh, I was corrected, and uh, and, uh, and and Stephen um, Stephen Silver, uh, who is the uh, uh, creative director for the game, um, corrected that and said, "No, there are actually three in there." He, yeah, and five slippers. Yes. So this is uh, whereas the. Um, his pre- Stephen's previous game heist added uh, an upper right. Am I right on this? Yeah, yes, upper right. Yes, upper, upper right. Flipper. Yes, that's right. Yes. To make and now the there's also an upper right. left flipper. There is, and there's a flipper on the upper playfield. Yes, a mini flipper on there. So, yeah, it's 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 gone from uh, basically a two flipper game um, to a five flipper game. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think when was the last time that we've seen a five flipper game. Hmm. Would have to or, be something or should I say or... four or more flippers? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want to go back to Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> no, well, obviously you could go back to like Simpsons Pinball Party, I think. Has that got five? Was that got uh, four? Maybe it's got four. Um, anyway. Can I run? Um... Anyway, we could we could spend hours um, yeah. trying to think back. We can look it up. That's... Yeah. Less, Indeed, uh, but uh, time consuming. We now have one anyway, which is this one, and uh, and unlike uh, those games, um, this is of course a, a modular system. Right. So you can you can you can buy the kit if you already own the P3 system. You can buy the the Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity kit, which is a uh, a three thousand dollar purchase. It uh, comes with this hugely packed playfield. It comes with um, cabinet art. And uh, I'm not sure it comes with the the extra modules, the the upper flipper and the uh, well, it will come with the cross play field ramp, um, which is a part but of the kit. I, as I think well. if you ordered uh, even a, there's two models available. Even if you ordered a standard model, all the all the flippers and etc. will be in there. If right. you don't have a game already, if you just buy the module because you already have the base platform, um, then you might have to. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure whether you need to to buy the extra mm. uh, left uh, upper flipper, but um... but either way, it's um, as, you, as you said, there is a, a limited edition upgrade, which is an additional eighteen hundred dollars. And um, well, there was a limited edition. Uh, well, yes, indeed, um, because the sales for the uh, for Weird Al game started this morning at nine o'clock. Central. Central time in the in the US and um, 
orders were were taken by email you had to send in your your order by or you know send an email stating you wish to buy either the standard or the limited edition version anything that was uh, sent before 9am would be deleted um so at nine o'clock sharp there were an awful huge influx of emails into the multimorphic inbox and uh, and the good news is as you just said um all the le kits sold out there were 227 available and uh and they've all gone or at least uh orders people have, have pledged to to purchase them um when if you sent an email you would have got or if you haven't got it yet you'll get it very shortly an email from uh, with an invoice from Multivolfic asking you to pay a £2,000 deposit to secure your game. If you don't do that within 24 hours, then uh, you basically your your order is cancelled and that game becomes available uh, you know, to people on the wait list, I guess. Yes. So, But that's one way to say happy birthday, Jerry Stellenberg. Yeah, it's a good, good birthday present for Jerry to, to sell out um, all, those, all those kits and, uh, and make the launch of, uh, of the new game a, a massive success. Right, and uh, also congratulations to Jerry for coordinating the um, announcement of the game, which uh, for many came as a surprise. Um, and bam, Weird Al... Um, uh, on on the P3, uh, not many people saw that coming. No, we knew there was a licensed title coming at some point, but I don't think. Uh, I mean, no, that 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 uh, license has been mooted as being a, a really good one that some some pinball companies should pick up, but I don't think anybody knew that it was actually about to happen. Right, as... and and one of the key things in that is that apparently nobody else went after it. Uh, to discover that the license was no longer available. No, absolutely not. No, it's uh, it was a big coup to to get that, and uh, and of course it had um, a big buy-in from from uh, Al himself. Now he was very deeply involved in the game, and worked uh, very closely with with the team. Uh, his team worked closely with the Multimorphic team. Um, a team we should mention. Um, yeah, well, Matt I, Andrews was was the artist on that game. Did um, the cabinet and uh, and playfield art, uh, including the monitor. Uh, yeah, so uh, bearing in mind the the playfield is uh, extends down into the digital part of it. Um, in game graphics were from uh, Rory Sanuda and uh, and um, Stephen Silver. Of course, is uh, Stephen is also the uh, creative director for the game. So, uh, which basically is the, the designer and the and the the, the head honcho. Um, software was uh, headed up by lead uh, lead Michael Ocean. Yeah, um, along with Greg Goldie and uh, of course Jerry himself is uh, is very very good on the on the code. And uh, TJ Weaver is uh, the multimorphic uh, mechanical engineering wizard, and uh, it certainly was a, a wizard in order to pack all that stuff into uh, such a small, well, relatively small part of the playfield. But there's so much there. It's uh, and, and on several levels. That it must have been a, yeah. a CAD nightmare in order to to do that. So kudos to him for doing that. Right. And of course, this is uh, again the first game I think that's fair to say for Multimorphic where Scott Deniti has been working on the sound. Yes. And uh, you might think a uh, a Weird Al game would just be basically Weird Al's own callouts and the, his music, but of course, there's a huge amount more. In the game, and um, from the sound effects, and also some incidental music, which got composed and uh, got cleared 
with uh, with the team. But uh, right. and it's also the first game where Bowen Kerens and Colin McAlpine have been uh, rules advisors. Yes. So that they uh, obviously input in, into that to make the game even more fun. Okay. Now, um, uh, for our listeners, it's fun that we're discussing all this, but how about we get um, uh, Stephen Silver, the creative director, and uh, Michael Ocean in? Yeah. So well, we can talk to them about uh, about this game. So we're joined now by uh, the creative director, uh, Stephen Silver, and the lead developer, Michael Ocean, for Multimorphics amazing new uh, Weird Owls Museum of Natural Hilarity, the uh, their latest game for the P3 pinball platform. And yeah. that's not a tongue twister. I don't know what it is. So, uh, so welcome, Stephen, and welcome, Michael. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. It's now, um, so it's, uh, it's been a very successful launch, I'd say, uh, which was just a, a couple of days ago. Um, how was it for you getting, uh, getting your game finally uh, no, out into the public? Well, I can't speak for Michael, but we've been I've been sitting for a year wanting to scream to the world that I've been working on a weird owl pin and it was really, really nice being able to finally get it out there and get seen. And it helped a little bit that you know, you, you have a guy with five million followers go out there and share our videos, so it's been seen all over the world. <laughs> Great. So which one of you is the is the bigger weird owl fan? Oh man, we got arm wrestle about that. It might be, it might be Michael. I have to, might have to bow down to Michael on that one. But we're we're both. I think we both consider ourselves kind of super fans. So yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I wouldn't. I would give it to Stephen just because I think we're both <laughs> fundamentally polite people. Uh, but yeah, we we had a we had a good time uh, working on this game for sure. Okay. Now, um, for our listeners, just to uh, to clarify, uh, Michael is the uh, uh, head of software involved in uh, uh, partly coding this game, along with uh, uh, a couple of others, if I'm not mistaken. And Stephen has the uh, the title of uh, um, uh, head creative or creative director, I would say. Um, and uh, so that, that that gives people a perspective of what you are involved in. And what I'm curious about is um, you go for, uh, at, at some point somebody says like, maybe we should do a Weird Al game. Uh, or there's a, a, a list of possible uh, uh, upcoming games and Weird Al is on there. And at some point somebody says, let's go after that. And then you are able to get that license and it, um, um, uh, how was that process? And can you can you talk to us what happened after that? Yeah, uh, well, from my perspective, uh, after we we were probably in the middle of the heist uh, creative cycle, me and Jerry are always talking about different possible games we could do. And, uh, you know, we, we had brought up, I don't know if it was him or me, one of us had brought up that how great a Weird Al pin would be. And honestly, I just thought about, you know, the license itself and how difficult it would be. And I just thought, there's no way we're ever going to get Al. So I didn't even think about it. But then uh, Jerry surprised us. He went out and uh, did the legwork and got what I think is one of the best pinball licenses we've had in a long time. I think Al is perfect for pinball. And I think that he, he allows so much fun, goofy nonsense on the play field that you can have. And, and uh, so I'm really excited that he was able to get it. And, and how long ago was it that you actually started you know, chasing that license? And, and at what point was it actually clearly secured and you could go ahead and start developing that, that game? Uh, we've been working on it for about a year, right, Michael? 
Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, we've been working really, really hard, really quickly, which is easy to do when you're super passionate about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's been close to a year, maybe even a little bit under. Yeah. Oh, it's very quick, actually, for a year. Mm, Obviously, um, there is uh, different aspects, of course, to, to this game. Um, there is a, a upper playfield module that needs to be developed. You need to see, like, what else can we do? And in this case, um, uh, there's five flippers on the game. Um, I can see that's a, a me mechanical engineering challenge as well. Five flippers, yeah. three pop bumpers, um, lots of stuff that I was really surprised. Like, wow, um, I wasn't expecting that much or such a packed upper playfield, so to speak, um, on uh, on a multimorphic game. Not that Heist was, well, let's put it this way. Heist was already impressive and you guys really outdid yourself with this one. Yeah, I've, I've said for a while, I, I'm really proud of the mechanical engineering abilities that Multimorphic has. Um, I, someday, I'm going to find some way to stump TJ Wilson, our our, uh, our lead uh, mechanical engineer. But so far, we haven't yet. We keep throwing eyes at, ideas at him, and he keeps coming up with just amazing ways to integrate them and, and cram them all in the machine and make them fit. So as as the uh, creative director, do you have to do all the all the CAD work? on that game and try and squeeze all those mechanisms in or does does tj do that yeah tj does that he's he's way smarter than me when it comes to that stuff so <laughs> we basically we sit down as a team and we everybody it, uh, we're all pinball people we're all passionate pinball people everybody's fighting for their ideas and and uh the the best ideas come to the top and then we we put all those together in like a rough design and and uh you know Presumably, TJ's in that process too, and and uh, we find things that can work, and sometimes we go down a path not knowing if something's going to work, and he, he pulls it out and makes it happen. The uh, spiral up ramp that we've got in that game is just an engineering marvel, I think, and that it's so satisfying to hit that shot, and, and uh, that he pulled it off and was able to make that transition smooth is, is fantastic. Now, you're not all together in the same building. You're not all working uh, shoulder to shoulder on this game. Um, and remote working is, you know, it's a key part of, of many of our lives these days. Um, how does how does the team collaborate in order to you know, try out ideas and uh, basically develop mechanisms and, and modes and um, when, when you're all you know, so, so disparate in terms of your, your locations? Lots of Zoom calls. Yeah, lots of <laughs> Zoom calls. Lots of Zoom calls, lots of messaging online. I mean, we had a very, very intensive few weeks where we were meeting for hours a day for almost a full month at the beginning of this process to just try to lock down everything we wanted. And uh, to Stephen's point, lots of lots of very passionate uh, discussions. And, uh, you know, I, 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 for one, know that I am hard to deal with at times because I won't back down from an idea that I think is good. And thankfully, Stephen is there to help me realize when those ideas aren't as good and, and have better ideas often. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we've done a lot of, a lot of different video conferencing platforms. Um, but, you know, I mean, this isn't Multimorphic's first game, right? So there are already yeah, processes sure. in place. Um, no, but it is yeah. Multimorphic's first licensed game. And in this case, you're working with an artist, I think he has a catalog of 150 plus songs. Um, and you guys are, uh, like you said, super fans. So you have plenty of ideas, but there's only so much that you can put in the game. 
Yeah. How do you how do you make decisions on like which direction to take and um, that's going to make it and that's unfortunately not going to make it. I think the first and foremost thing when we were looking through all of this catalog trying to find songs is would this be a good pinball song, right? And, uh, you know, also you're thinking about licensing, how hard it is to license different things. But <clears throat> we would go through and, and that was the driving force between a lot of it. We wanted a big variety. We wanted stuff from every every era that he he's uh, he's performed in and, and had records in. And, and we wanted a, a, just a wide variety of, of different things in there. And I'm really super happy with the song list that we came out with. I think there's... There's not one of them I would swap out, and I, I think that they all make for really super fun modes and gameplay. And I'll say that I think Fun Zone, which is the one we used in the uh, in the demo video, the, mm-hmm. the the trailer, is like the greatest pinball song of all time. It's just so upbeat and happy, and I just love that song. <laughs> so you got seventeen tracks in there. Was was that something you you sort of negotiated to get that many or was that just um, naturally how how many you you thought you would need in order to uh, to you know to, to f- fill out the rule set well we kept adding more and more songs until jerry started to cry and then <laughs> we stopped um and then we only added two more after that no i, I mean, I mean we, we wanted i mean obviously we would love to include every single thing in the catalog right um there are a couple songs that we deeply, deeply loved and, you know, but had to acknowledge that they maybe wouldn't be perfect in pinball. Um, and, you know, this number, I think, let us do everything we wanted to, everything we wanted to do. Uh, we knew ahead of time that everyone was going to have some song that they were missing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how, how can you not with, with Al's extensive catalog? But um, you know, our hope is that everybody feels the same way we do, which is that, you know, they look at the track list, they, they experience the game and they say, you know what, these songs are awesome. And uh, it's it's OK that, you know, whatever that song is, isn't there because there's a lot here that, that there's a lot that is here that, I you know, it's super, super fun. Right. Now, um, the uh, the P3 platform has a large um, LCD below the play field. Um, um, but not an LCD in the back box. Um, for uh, uh, many pinball enthusiasts familiar with uh, music pins or celebrity-themed pins, uh, they might be expecting music videos to be in the game. But in this case, it's absolutely not the case. Can you talk about that? Well, well uh, first, I'll correct you there, because we actually do have a just a gorgeous uh, screen in our back box Uh that we, we were able to put a lot of content on. Uh, so we've Excuse got the me. play field. <laughs> I haven't seen a P3 in a while. Yeah, we've got to get problem. you on a P3. We've got to take yeah. care of that. We, yeah, uh, yeah, that was an upgrade package a while back, and then Jerry just made it standard um, uh, a couple cycles ago. So, so yeah, but my, my joy is I get to develop video content and stuff for two screens <laughs> in two different orientations. Okay. My bad. Sorry about that. No, no problem. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the... The, you know, your normal music jukebox pens, we all decided we just didn't want to do a jukebox pen. We just uh, are just, the songs are kind of secondary to the world. And one thing that screen gives us that, um, like Michael said earlier, is that instead of, you know, instead of like one painted play field, we get to do 12 different uh, environments, 12 different modes that you get to go into different environments. We change them as you go into each game. 
And we once we signed on Matt Andrews as our artist, I realized right away that this was going to be an awesome looking pin and both on the screen and on the art everywhere. And so every environment is this intricately painted, animated, brought to life environment that, uh, you know, some of them are interactive with the balls, others aren't, but we, we've got uh, just beautiful graphics for every different mode you're in. And that is a huge advantage. And I think that that plays better with the extremely wide variety of music that he has than picking a bunch of video clips from a bunch of disparate uh, music videos that don't really fit together in any way. We could build this museum environment to create, contain all this insanity from all these different uh, modes that we've got. So, Yeah, can we talk about that for a little, little moment? Because um, who came up with the, uh, the whole idea of uh, setting the game in a museum in order to showcase the, uh, the music tracks rather than, you know, say a... A more traditional, well, you know, a, a concert environment or a jukebox type game. We never, uh, I, I don't think at any point in the development cycle did we consider the, the jukebox game or, you know, the concert environment. I think we, you know, as as Al fans, right, I mean, his music is so all over the place and awesome and fun. And we wanted to try to find some unifying, you know, some unifying way uh, to sort of put all these songs together that was like funny and a real exploration for the player. Um, Stephen, did you ultimately come up with the museum? We had a lot of ideas that we, we batted back and forth. Yeah, we were, I, I'm trying to re actually remember. It's, it's something I think we all just kind of landed on. We tried a bunch of different things. We pitched a bunch of different ideas. We, I think, Michael, you had the idea of like um, a prop warehouse or something like that where you go in and, and do this other stuff. And then we came back around on, to uh, this museum environment. And I won't take credit for the museum environment I idea, but I, I uh, when we were pitching around ideas, I fell in love with the idea of this museum of natural hilarity. And, and me and Michael workshopped that to get to the uh, the right wording for that. But, uh, you know, it once we landed on it, it seemed perfect because you could have exhibit halls for each of these individual songs and you could go into the operating theater for like a surgeon or you could go to the sports field for a uh, sports song or go to the the neighborhood for weasel stomping day and things like that. You can just have when we shot um, a couple uh, uh, weeks ago the, for the uh, the video, mm -hmm. I, I just kept telling uh, Rebecca from uh, from Flipstronic while she was playing. I was like, hey, go go and try weasel stomping day and you just see her face light up and smile <laughs> and laugh the whole way through in a way that just really told me okay we did we did this right so right. Were, were the were the songs chosen um based on the the halls that you created or were the halls created based on the songs you've chosen halls based on the songs we chose we chose a, the songs first and then we found <clears throat> we we pulled out which ones we thought would be multi-balls and then we found like pairings that kind of worked together for each of the halls and then named the halls after that. Right. Yeah. Okay. And Martin, um, to your, to your, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you, Jonathan. go ahead. Uh, you, go ahead. To, to the question, uh, you know, about picking songs too, for every song that we picked, we had to also defend what we thought the mode would be like. Uh, so we, you know, we were pitching these crazy ideas for what each of these modes would be based on these songs, because, you know, we really wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we had like, cool and different gameplay uh for every one of these songs that we had in the game and that sort of we could imagine you know could we do justice to the song and come up with cool funny visually interesting things on the play field for the player to shoot at and to experience 
um, while enjoying the music. So it was a sort of it was this very interrelated uh, uh, motivation to try to make sure that we were you know doing the songs justice and giving a you know yeah uh, a good sure. Al experience. You know, but uh, can I just quickly interject before Johnson's going? I'm just raring to ask a question. Um, you're saying you were pitching the uh, the ideas of uh, what would happen with each song. Were you pitching that to the rest of the team, or were you pitching that to to Al's team? Uh, no, once we, we pitched it to the team and then we presented a package to Al's team that basically said, hey, this is, well, here's our, uh, you know, we, we had gotten the license uh, the, basically in place with Al's participation and we, we pitched them the idea for all these songs and then we went and got the rest of the uh, licensing once they signed off on that stuff to, to go get the rest of the songs. Right, right. So what I was wondering, uh, because from what what you're just telling us is that the uh, the concept of the game, the uh, the museum of natural hilarity, isn't a uh, a concept that uh, well, it's a concept that you guys came up with. It's not something that's already something that uh, L is doing. Um, so was that difficult to pitch um, to them? And uh, was there any any? feedback or suggestions or was it immediately approved and uh, did they just love it yeah i mean from the jerry's the one that did most of the uh discussions with them about that but from my understanding of it um the they absolutely love the concept when we pitched it to them and right now like the, the feedback from alcy in the final game is that he was telling me personally when we were recording that him and his wife were just watching the video stuff and just laughing their heads off and like so appreciating the care that we put into put all these references in from his entire career and things like that. So yeah, they, they, they did like the concept a lot and it, it seemed like we all kind of agreed that it's the perfect encapsulation of all these disparate weird songs that from vastly different genres into one uh, environment where we can uh, explore and see these different things and, and have fun with it. And technically, there is precedent for uh, for Al themed museums. Uh, I think the Coloring Book has an Al museum, although it has a different name, and it's you know obviously conceptually different. Um, so it's it's not completely out of nowhere. Um, yeah. But our 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 imagining of it is definitely a, a bit different. Yeah, right. I didn't get the Coloring Book. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, you're probably working your way up to it, but um, <laughs> Albert, Albert was obviously uh, heavily involved in uh, in the creation of the game because he he spent so long recording what over two thousand sound calls for this. How did um, who, well who wrote the script for the game for him to record, and uh, what was the recording uh, the whole uh, session like? like? Yeah. Yeah, we basically, the way we typically do voice call uh, script sessions is that we're like, okay, everybody on the team that that really is passionate about this, come on, and we're, we're going to all get together and we're going to go through and and, uh, and pitch ideas and bring this stuff together. And I brought in a buddy of mine, Frank Serpest uh, from Austin, who is, an, is the biggest Al fan I know. And he uh, came in and helped us out a lot on the call outs. And we spent several weeks like just getting all these things together and then we we had a massive amount of uh of of stuff to deliver to them and so we when i went into the recording session i was like well we we broke it up into two halves it's like this is a half we know we have to get and this is the half where where is the extras if we need to and in the booth i've never seen anybody that has come with that level of enthusiasm and that level of energy from the beginning to the end 
I kept checking in on him, asking him if his voice was doing okay. And he's like, no, I'm going to hurt tomorrow. I know it, but I'm here as long as you need me to do. And he was just uh, just an awesome uh, guy to work with. I've worked with a lot of voiceover people in my career in video, and I've never seen anybody that had that level of energy. I was able wow. to pick, pick it up, and he was able to, like like that, bring back the exact way he sounded back in 1989 with some of these call-outs, and it was absolutely amazing. And, and how long was the session? Uh, we spent about three hours in the booth. And if you know anything about voiceover work is hard. Mm. Voiceover work for pinball is extremely hard because there's lots of yelling and screaming. <laughs> and so uh, I told my buddy we spent uh, three hours in there, and he's like, oh, my God, he's recorded for uh, – some uh, pinball machines and stuff. And so, yeah, we got an enormous amount of stuff. And the main thing about it is that Al wanted everything to be perfect. So he would do five, six takes of everything and lots of different variations of things and and just to, to make sure that uh, we got it all perfectly. Okay. okay, so if we're talking 2,000 voice calls, uh, that's not like five takes of each and you're only using one, right? No, 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 no. No, there's, five there's of each, and you're using one, and that's one of the 2,000, right? Yeah, and the other four yeah, we don't count. No, we're not counting that. We're talking about we're talking about we're talking about two, over 2,000 callouts in the game entirely. Now, uh, sometimes we'll have two or three takes of, of the same thing, but you get different deliveries in those things, right? Mm, Him right, saying, right, "Oh, yeah. you enjoy screaming it," and then the next time he's saying it in a more comical way, right? right. So you'll you'll get a wide variety of of Al's speech when you when you play this game. Which is, it's like awesome for two reasons, right? Like it's awesome because he gave you, you know, he gave us these different takes, but it, you know, if you, if you have, if you own this game, right? So you're playing it all the time. Um, it keeps surprising you. It keeps surprising you when you get the del different delivery and, and some of the lines are sort of similar and some of them are different. And I mean, you know, ha having put a, a lot of these, uh, you know, when you do play testing and just sort of, I still laugh, right? And I hear these things and I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, I was that's... wondering, did you, uh, how can you stay serious in a, se in a, in a recording session like that? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was tough, but he's, he's a consummate professional. He was able to uh, get through the whole thing. Um, the the guy on the other end was cracking up a little bit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a ton of fun getting through that recording session and everything. And, uh, even at the end, we made it to the very end, and I was like, "Hey, my my uh, lead programmer is is uh, kids a diehard Will Al, Weird Al fan. Can you can you spend a little bit of extra time past the session to just record a message for him so we were able to get Michael's uh, kid a nice little uh, message from Al?" <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> we we can't spoil because my son still doesn't know about it. So. Uh, don't let him listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> so so um, uh, here's a question that that just um um comes up uh, in my mind um, obviously this is a, uh, a game with music in it uh, licensed songs um, where uh, uh, with, with music it's always difficult to have speech in music where there's also being sung or were you able to get partly instrumentals so that you can uh, uh, that it becomes easier to, to add the voice calls uh, during gameplay or am I getting too technical now? No, no, yeah. this is a good question, right? Uh, I, I mean, first of all, we have a lot of sound effects uh, and other sort of incidental sounds that, that Scott worked on, Scott Denisi. Um, and we had, I mean, of course, this is an important concern, right? We don't want to drown out the lyrics with, uh, it would just be weird if you heard voice calls on top of the lyrics uh, excessively, 
Right. Uh, Steven, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please, please jump in. Oh yeah, no, and it's 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 weird. Like you definitely don't want to be in a in a lyric version and then take the lyrics away and things like that. But when you get the tracks, you get you get the tracks as they were produced. We we actually did spend a lot of time trying to decide which versions of which tracks we were going to use uh, because there's a lot of different versions on different albums and things like that. But no, every every um, we we made the choice consciously in in the the modes where we have more lyric heavy songs to you know play it lighter on the the call outs during those and then we get back and uh, there's other places in the game where we're we're heavier on them. Okay, well, I mean, you guys are obviously you know so knowledgeable about how this game works, and for the the rest of us, we haven't seen it, we haven't played it. So can we sort of just step back a little minute and just um just tell us briefly you know what what the idea of the game is what what the player is supposed to do they hit the start button there's a museum what's their aim in in the game so al is the owner curator of this museum of natural hilarity you come in he welcomes you with uh different welcomes every time and you start off in the great hall the lobby of the of the museum Mm-hmm. And we've got five different halls that you can visit, right? There's different song modes in each one of those halls. So the goal is to make it through and visit all the halls and see everything there is to see in the museum. And so as you go around and you shoot different shots, you're selecting the different halls you want to go to, and you go into the ticket counter when you're ready. And if you're in the hall of of health and medicine, you've got a couple of songs up there that you can choose from, germs or, or like a surgeon, right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. play those modes, and when you get into the modes, you get up to a certain threshold of, of achievements that you want to do, and you can exit early if you want, or you can continue to play th- the mode further along to try to go and complete the song if you want to. But we let people exit early. There's... Uh, there's an additional mode up in the cafeteria up on the mezzanine, the, the upper playfield section we've got, yeah. where you can get in there and, and uh, qualify My Bologna, which yeah. is one of my favorite modes in the game. And then you've got three stackable multiballs, main multiballs in the game that you can get through and, and do in the game. Um, once you've visited at least one exhibit in all five halls, then you get access to the mini wizard mode, which is You Make Me. And then once you've done everything, you get to the final wizard mode, which is running with scissors, where we run through the entire museum again and uh, experience everything in a much more chaotic fashion. Okay, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> and there are secondary objectives, and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot more we could say. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the short version. That's pretty impressive, Stephen. That's well done. Yeah, yeah, bravo. Um, so you designed this game and. Did you know from the very start when you when you when you came to it, and this is for, for both of you, that um, there would be a, a standard edition and a limited edition? And did you know what the differences were going to be early on? We knew there was going to be a limited edition with this game. Right. We also knew that there would absolutely not be any substantial differences in gameplay or or playfield or anything yes. like that for the. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we feel strongly that everybody in the P3 platform. Should, should have mostly the same experience with these things, but we wanted to make the limited edition special. And, and so we put a lot of effort into making that uh, LE package, that LE kit really shine. Right, and um, it's limited to 227 units yes. restricted. Um, 
The 27 number are being significant in Weird Al um, land. Um, yeah, if you will listen to his music and see his interviews and everything, it's the number that pops up over and over and over again. And we use it a lot in the game. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's definitely something that uh, the Weird Al fans will appreciate. And did you did you think that um, it's it's okay to keep the things like the um, the animated topper, for instance, um, purely for the LE kit, or there must have been a lot of uh, a lot of pressure to make that available to everybody as a as a purchasable add-on. Yeah, I mean, there's always discussions back and forth about what to include in the LA kit and what to uh, include uh, with the regular kit and everything. But it, at the end of the day, uh, you know, these are all business decisions, and I think that Jerry made good trade-offs, and and so I think that I'm I'm really excited to get my LE and and uh, you know just uh, play with that topper. We're extremely proud of that <laughs> topper, TJ. TJ is again. I just think the guy's a genius. He pulls off just miracle working with his mechanical creations that he comes up with. And I cannot be more proud and more happy about how Weird Al is up there playing the accordion and, and smiling at you and dancing around when you're, when you're playing this game. I can honestly say um, when I first saw that um, before, you know, we, we got a, a, a pre-release um, look at the game and I saw that, that animated topper and that made me laugh out loud. And there's not much in pinball that makes me laugh out loud like that does these days because there's so, so many games seem to be serious and, um, and I'm so glad this brings not just humour but hilarity back to <laughs> pinball. Right. So speaking of hilarity, um, uh, obviously there's a, a, a huge pinball catalogue of, of, of uh, games uh, that that used uh, voice calls. Uh, by any chance, did you try to uh, um, um, sort of uh, what? Let's say uh, pay homage to to older games where Weird Al would take voice calls and uh, from from a certain game that pinball people might recognize um, and, and and throw them in there. We yeah, did. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, this, there's a lot of stuff I had to explain out in the in the the booth, <laughs> but they're in there. So okay, that's, yeah. When we had we had some of the voice call meetings, uh, you know, Bowen was there, uh, Bowen Karen's too, and we he's also a big Al fan, and uh, I should say weird, a big weird Al fan. He's not a fan of he might be a fan of Big Al. I don't know who, who that is, <laughs> um, but. So he, you know, and we were talking about specific references and yeah, I mean, we were, we were then saying, okay, Stephen, good luck getting, you know, getting this specific weird, uh, you know, I should say strange, you know, soundbite, but we, I mean, the sounds are, they will make you laugh. Martin, if you're looking for things that'll make you laugh in pinball, these will make you laugh for sure. And, and you will smirk when you hear the references. Right, and um, this sound, this game sounds amazing. Scott Denisi did an amazing job with the sound package and all his his uh, kooky sound effects and everything else, and the sound design of everything that goes into it. Um, I I just I I can't not have a smile on my face when I when I listen to this and hear uh, everything in the machine. I think it's important to uh, sort of give cre due credit to all the work that Scott's put into this game because a lot of people will just say, oh, it's a Weird Al game. It just plays Weird Al music. That's it. You know, what else? What other sound work is needed on the game? But obviously anybody who knows anything about pinball knows that there's a huge amount of sound that goes into a, into producing a pinball machine. And there is incidental music as well from Scott in this game, isn't there? 
Yeah, Scott's written a couple of uh, original tracks for this game that we we had for a couple of uh, couple of situations and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, there's so much like sound design is so much more than just writing music. Like if you even go back and look at TNA, right? TNA, mm. yeah, it's got a killer soundtrack, but there's so much more sound in that game. Rick and Morty, there's so much more sound than just the music and things like that. And so like the music stands on its own the, and carries the game. But all the incidentals, all the extras around it that Scott, Scott put into this game are fabulous and really tie the game together, make it come alive and feel like like a kind of place Al would want to hang out and invite you to. And presumably that incidental music had to be approved by Al yeah. or his team. Yep, yep, they get they approved it. And you know what? We we didn't get any. We got it approved the first time. <laughs> okay, excellent. excellent. So now uh, Scott is obviously new to the uh, the multimorphic tune. He uh, worked for Spooky uh, earlier on, um, but also new to the, uh, the the multimorphic team are Bo and Karen, who we just mentioned, and uh, Colin McPel. Uh, sorry, <laughs> McAlpine, if I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly, mm-hmm. um, who uh, I assume got in on this project while you guys were already. Uh, uh, working on it and had your own ideas and uh, can you tell a little bit about how that went was it a smooth integration did they come up with uh, ideas that were a lot better than yours or did they come up with ideas that you shut down like no no it's got to be like that or I don't know can you talk about that yeah they came in mid-project right because they uh, we had been working on it for a while but they've both been excellent and and amazing to work with such great ideas from both guys uh watching stuff and just giving us feedback on what we had already done and every everything we've done has been an improvement in the game going forward so um yeah so some ideas were like well that you know that that doesn't work because of this thing that we're doing uh, because we've got the fuller picture of everything, but the most of them we were able to incorporate, and I, I really like where it's gone. Some of the best progress we made on the game is just watching Colin sit on the game and, and play it and just tear the machine up and, and show us how everything's going through, and, and uh, so that, that was extremely helpful in, in uh, getting through the code. And Michael, you want to expand on that? Yeah, I mean, the quality of the notes that we got from both both from Colin and Bowen have been really, really helpful, right? I mean, you know, uh, really careful eye, really strong attention to detail and, you know, things that are ultimately, you know, have made the game better for sure. Um, so, I mean, it would be it would be much easier if we just said, yeah, no, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> Sorry, too late. But I think the, I think the game improves as a result of us, you know, of us really you know, welcoming them onto the team and having their feedback integrated into the game for sure. Right. And like so, they said earlier, Bowen helped us out a lot on the, the call-out scripts too, so he was integral in that. Right. Well, well, presumably by that stage, you'd already got all your shots laid out and they, they weren't, I mean, the fact that they're, they're you know, um, world-class players didn't influence any of your shot design. No, they didn't, but... Uh, Colin came in and played it really early on and was, that's the thing I'm always worried about with these new things. I'm worried about people getting in and, and the, is the, the shot layout fun, but everybody that's gotten a chance to play the, the thing and actually flip the table have all come back and have been have really positive about the, uh, the shots and the flow and the layout. Right. Now, um, one of the sort of founding principles of the P3 was that the lower part of the play field would be fixed and the upper part of the playfield would be this modular design. Now, Stephen, you've been sort of 
gradually expanding on that and extending the the playfield module first of all with the heist you added the um well the crane that comes over the playfield and the the upper flipper um and in this game you've got another the other upper flipper on the other on the uh on the opposite side of the playfield and you've got the cross playfield wireform which extends across the lcd um have you got sort of any plans in future games to gradually sort of encroach further down the game with uh, with future designs to to make more changes? Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me outline them all right now and spoil the design. <laughs> yeah, should we just should we just send you the list of all yeah, the features and the dates? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll While you're at it, can you also include future titles and <laughs> themes and licenses and so on? Yeah, I think absolutely. that sounds reasonable. Absolutely. Yeah, so get them I up did on the web. a. I did a video a long time ago that was one of our first platform videos. It's actually before we had multiple modules besides Lexi. We had Lexi, we had Ken Lagoon, and the video has like the Lexi module popping out and like a bunch of dummy modules that that I had um, TJ work up. And in that video, we also had the side targets sliding out and other stuff sliding in, like you know, uh, pop bumpers floating over the screen and other stuff. So. The idea that we could modify and improve on this lower playfield section that with the stuff floating over the flippers has been a concept that's been there since day one. It's always been we can do pretty much whatever we want to do there. We just have to rethink it. We have to re-engineer it. And so that's where, you know, we, we were able to, you know, accomplish things like let's let's attack this from the crane from the backstage where we have the you know i think the widest selection of short shots of pinball and heist and then let's build these flipper modules in there that are backwards compatible with other games so when you pull them out they that games that don't use them aren't designed for side flipper shots can still use those flippers as as rails and things like that so they we've always had this in mind uh to be able to build upon that um, but with these early games, definitely we're, we're keeping in mind the speed of uh, playfield swaps and stuff like that. Mm. And Scott's idea was actually the crossing wireform, and that's a toolless uh, that's a toolless installation process for a crossing wireform. You can take it out; it, it doesn't add much more time to a playfield swap when you add that uh, wireform in. Right, so it just slots into the uh, the module, I guess, and uh, yeah. and secures on the right hand side. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, other changes you've made here. Um, you've introduced the illuminated back panel or the speaker panel, I should say. Um, you've also uh, changed the way that the scoops and, and the walls work from uh, solenoid driven to to motor driven. Were those changes that were sort of been in the pipeline for a long time and just happened to coincide with the release of this game, or was this something which you you wanted to uh, to put into the into uh, the Weird Al game? Yeah, they've been, and we've been planning on the. Uh, I should say we, like Jerry, has been planning on the illuminated uh, speaker panel for a little while, and and the improvements to the uh, wall scoop assembly back there. One thing about the motor driven wall scoop assembly is that it's um it's a lot nicer now to if you need to level those walls and scoops mm. uh from there. So and it's really smooth too watching those things uh raise and lower. So um yeah, I'm excited to check it out. I know Michael can't wait to get his hands on an upgrade kit for his uh for his P three on that wall scoop assembly. And then well, that's the other idea too is all of these all of these improvements were made in the mind of okay we can also create a kit that we can sell to existing p3 owners in case they want to bring their p3s up to these uh new 
these uh, new features. Is, is that going to make it um, sort of more more difficult from the software point of view, uh, uh, Michael? If you've if you've got to support both motor driven wall scoops and solenoid driven wall scoops and potentially future changes as well. Now we've you know the the design of the platform is such that code compatibility is preserved on both. Uh, so owners will just download, um, uh, you know, they'll just download some new packages, which can now be done over Wi-Fi, so you don't need to mess mm. around with USB, yeah. uh, and you'll have support for both. And from a software perspective, we can support them both. There's just some really cool tricks that you can do with solenoid-driven uh, scoops, uh, that, or rather the, um, excuse me, the, the, the servo-driven scoops yes. rather than the solenoid-driven scoops. Uh, that, that should be pretty fun. Uh, I can't can't say anything else. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay, I have a special interest in the in that assembly. Mm. Okay, um, uh, software wise, um, I do have a uh, a question. Currently, the uh, the Weird Al game has uh, five exhibit holes, uh, each uh, using two songs, and then there's multiple songs in the game. But um, in theory. There's nothing stopping you guys from further developing the game and adding more exhibit halls if you would like to. Is there any chance of that? Or is this like uh, the license is this, this is what we got, and we're not going to expand on that? I would never say never, but all future related expansions and stuff like that are something that would be in Jerry's uh, camp to answer. Okay, fair enough. I mean, given the nature of uh, the P3 is, um, and the fact that it's, it uses, um, well, underlying is the, uh, it's kind of like the P rock or P3 rock system. Is it something which other which homeowners could modify? Is that a concern that when you're going for a license that you have to make sure that um, you know, all the song, that people can't put their own songs into it, they can't change any of the display graphics because it's... Uh, it's a, it is a, a moderately open platform, isn't it? Yeah, it, but we don't. Yeah, we're not. Ahead. We're not giving anyone the the ability to change the songs that are in the game that's been approved, right? So, you know, you can you can load other games on onto this physical module, um, mm. but you know, you can't change the software for this you know for this specific experience that's been created. Um, can, can you write your own game for this module? Yes, you can. Like yeah. the, the the software developers can come up and, and write their own games. If you if you, you want it distributed to other P3 owners, you would submit it to the uh, to Jerry through the to go through the P3 store and all that. And so there's we do have an approval process through that. But yeah, the we will have like our third party games on here. I mean our our first party um, mini games and stuff on here as well. So. Yeah, but I mean, point. obviously, we would yeah. we wouldn't approve of any games that were violating, you know, music licenses or anything of the sort. Like, we wouldn't allow those to be distributed through the channels. And I will say, you know, to 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 my credit, to to Greg Goldie's credit, to the develop, to Jerry's credit, um, I think it'd be pretty hard to quickly throw together your own version of this game uh, just to just to add your own songs to it. <laughs> sure, but um, but we've seen that. Um, the upper mo playfield modules have been reused in, in numerous other titles. That's kind of the, the point of point of it, uh, the modularity of it. Would any any games that people write for this module have to be cleared with Al's team? 
Uh, they, well, I, I can't get into the specifics of the license agreement, but no, the, the deal is, is that if if you're writing software for any of our modules, you'd go through Multimorphic and the uh, and their approval process. Right. Yeah. Okay. But okay. But we're we're not. I don't believe we're going to be stuck in a situation where we're not going to we're not going to bother. Mr. Alfred Dinkovic with a ton of requests for software, <laughs> like, and we're just not gonna we're not gonna let anything happen that would uh, possibly denigrate his uh, his his imagery thing of it. Okay. Obviously, the reaction on, on this game has been you know amazing. Do you think this is going to be sort of a, a breakthrough game that's that's going to sway people who have been kind of on the fence about whether the P3 is a you know, uh, put it in, in massive quotes, real pinball, and um, and have held off from buying it up until now. Do you think this is this is the one that's going to sway them into uh, into their first well, their, their first module and uh, and buying the P3 platform? I, I'll say this: everybody should try to get their hands on a P3 and play it and experience it. Right? Um, mm. There's nothing much I can do about the moving goalposts. It's <laughs> like you see. You know, people said, oh, Heist is amazing. We get one more game or whatever. And then this. And I'm just saying, like, just find this out. Seek this out. We'll be at TPF. Come play it. See for yourself. This play field's a ton of fun. I think a lot of people are going to play it. They're really going to love it. And we have we have really, really high customer satisfaction in the, the hobby. We've got the best. Uh, we, we've got a two-year factory warranty, the really great customer service. People, the the with Jerry likes to call it the best customer loyalty program in all of pinball because not only do we want you to love the current game you buy, but we want you to keep being customers and keep keep your games forever and, and keep buying stuff and we we keep putting stuff out uh, to make the platform better and better and better. Every single new release that comes out, even if it's not something that you're uh, super into, increases the value of the platform for every person that owns it and every new customer. So. Like, you know, uh, when I got my game, we had like eight games on the platform. We're now up to 15 games total on the platform. And it just keeps, that's in uh, like two and a half years maybe. And so there, it's just going to keep getting better over time. So people, it's been it's been difficult. And they, the hobby is so different and so new that a lot of people look at it and they, they can't wrap their heads around it and everything. But Sit down, grab one, get a, get a chance to flip it, flip this play field, try to flip heist. Go back and, and play some head-to-head -head games on, on CCR and, mm. and find Alexi Lightspeed. All these games are super fantastic. I love having them all in my house. I love the ability of swapping these out. And I think people are really going to take to it when they, when they finally uh, get to see it. Michael, how about yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of people who aren't pinball people. And when they play the P3, they are blown away and they absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I've known a lot of, I know a lot of pinball people who also love it. Um, and we also know, you know, there are some people who, you know, it is, as Stephen said, just sort of too different. Uh, and, you know, I think they sort of maybe shut themselves down from the experience and really don't let themselves enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we heard this a lot with Heist, right? We heard a lot of people on Heist were just like, oh, wow, like I didn't know the P3 was capable of this. Let's see what the next game is. And, uh, you know, this game is the kitchen sink, right? We've thrown everything into this game. This game has five flippers. It has a real mechanical uh, hamster wheel <laughs> mech. Yeah. It has a spiral loop. I mean, it has... Lift ramps. Uh, what? 
the two, two lift ramps. The yeah, two, two lift, lift ramps. ramps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An adorable little UHF camera that holds physical ball locks. I yeah. mean, it's there's there's everything in this playfield, and yeah. you know, I think I think it would be hard to not play this game and smile and to enjoy just how much real pinball it is. Um, and so, you know, it's true that we're not giving you that you know that full piece of painted wood, we're giving you some, you know, we're giving you a, a portion of painted, painted uh, Matt Andrews wood, and then another portion of a screen that has been painted by Matt Andrews, you know, 14 times over uh, as we change, as we change what mode you're in. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think truly that this is a, this is a crazy experience that you couldn't do uh, on a, on a, on a traditional machine. And I think what we bring to the table I think people are really going to enjoy it, and I, I do think this is going to be the game that that turns a lot of people. We've, we're already seeing some some folks. You know, we'll know we'll know what happens, and I guess by the time people hear this, we'll we'll have, we'll, we'll know a bit more. Um, but because uh, we're we're talking now, am I allowed to say when we're talking? Yeah. Well, yeah. so we're, soon. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're we're talking right before you know the the ordering process yeah. has gone live. So um, yeah. yeah, we're talking the evening before the ordering process will go live. So by the time this airs. Uh, it actually will have gone live, but we won't have your responses to it. Although I do imagine that you guys are anticipating what the response will be. Yeah, we. As far as responses go, the 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 best compliment I saw on, you know, this this video the video has been seen by hundreds of thousands of people thanks to uh, you know social media is easy when you can get a guy with five million followers <laughs> to share your stuff. Uh, but just tons and tons of comments online and everything. The best one I saw is that you could tell that this game was made by Weird Al fans, and that's the best compliment you could pay me on this game. We really, really wanted to do him justice, and I think if you're a Weird Al fan, you are going to love what you see in this game, and if you're not a Weird if, if well, I don't think there's such thing as not a Weird Al fan. I think <laughs> everybody likes the guy, right? But we're going to make some fans out of people who come in here that aren't familiar with how anything beyond his his main parodies and stuff like that and we're going to see how much of a musical genius this guy is and how much fun the world of al is so i'm excited about getting people to play this game and um other companies who who do a lot of licensing have found found it to be stressful at times um you haven't found that you this hasn't put you off doing a, a future license Oh man, I think we've been spoiled. Like this is, uh, I got to do basically whatever I wanted on Heist. We got, we, the whole team got to play around and create this whole world and, and create exactly the game we wanted to do. And then we go into this license and we found in Al and his uh, manager Jay a partnership that was really amazing and great. And they were fantastic to work with and the feedback was always great. And uh, I, I think we, you know, I, I would definitely, I, if if uh, doing licenses is is like this, like yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> um, I uh, um, not so great news, but doing licenses like this is probably not how uh, many have experienced it. So, uh, Don't so you got, me. Yeah. The, the next one's no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm just just um, well. Uh, it can be a pain, but um, in this case, it wasn't. Uh, there must be other licenses around where it's also very easy or a very pleasant uh, collaboration with the licensor. So, well, uh, I, I should clarify. Jerry is the person who had to go and get the licensing for everybody. He, I'm sure he 
he, he worked really, really hard to secure all the rights for everything that we needed in this game. And so to say it was easy to get everything licensed is not necessarily a true statement. But I just say working through it once we've got uh, the rights to use everything was it was an incredible joy. And it was it's been the highlight of my career working with Al specifically on this property since it means so much to me. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be hugely uh, beneficial to have somebody, the, the, the subject of the license, so supportive of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing cooler than an email that says, you know, hey, uh, love love what you've done uh, from you know, a, a, a hero of yours since childhood. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that hits, that hits yeah. you pretty, pretty, pretty strong. Which which actually makes me wonder: Is Weird Al a uh, uh, a pinball? person i'm uh, i don't expect him to have a game room with tons of games but um it, he'll have one now <laughs> <laughs> right okay so um yeah um what i'm curious about and then we're sort of looking into the future obviously uh, like you said you you've been spoiled with this license um so what's next because uh, there's got to be more games um yeah, um, I think we're done, it, right, Michael? Like, I think we've done everything we're going to do, right? Yeah, my schedule is about to get really clear as a result of this conversation. <laughs> so, uh, right, 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 right. Now, well, yeah, but, there, but, there are okay, things. There, there did are things, this game though. raise the bar, so to speak? Because people are going to expect the next game to be on the same level as this one, I suppose. At, at least it's, I can imagine people thinking like, whoa. You got uh, can't wait for you guys to 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 lift the curtain on the next game to see what you come up with next. Good. Yeah, but I see. I'm gonna expect our game to outdo this game, right? Like the, we we just on always in our games, we're always trying to make improvements and stuff and make them all stand on their own and everything. So we're we're definitely there's a push of everybody working on the team to always do the absolute best uh, best work, and I think it comes through in the games that we put out. Well, thank and you. That's what uh, we want. Yeah. We want everyone to to be excited for our next game. We're excited for our next game. We're excited for this game. We're excited for all the games, right? I mean, this is a this is a platform where you, you wanna you want to really enjoy the platform by having all the modules, right? Every you know you don't have to th think, oh shucks, you know I I just bought this game and now this is coming out. Now what am I gonna sell? I mean, you know you just you're just adding it to your collection. So awesome. Well, thank you very much indeed to uh, Stephen and Michael for uh, joining us on the Spincast. Uh, it's been illuminating and congratulations again on the launch of the game and um, good luck tomorrow when when sales go live. Thanks so much and when you guys get the v TPF try to get the super duper skill shot. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> thank you both. And there you have it. Oh, thank Michael, you, Michael Ocean Michael. and Stephen Silver of uh, Multimorphic discussing uh, well, basically everything <laughs> that had to do with the uh, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity and how that came to be. Yeah, I, think, I don't think there's anything more we can add to it, really. We heard from the guys themselves. They, they are the ones who built it and uh, or part of the team who built it. And uh, congratulations again, as we said, uh, on, uh, on, on not only creating a great game, but also selling... So many on on the the, the day of the launch or the day that which the orders opened up, right. So uh, so congrats to the entire team and Jerry for his birthday as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, well, I, I don't think we have anything more from the multimorphic team. They've they've been busy enough doing 
during that launch. So yeah, I, um, I, I have a feeling that uh, their uh, booth at the Texas Pinball Festival later this month will be packed as well. Yes, as packed as the game, yes. Right, so um, moving on to... Um, uh, well, let's first make an announcement. Um, the uh, this, uh, this interview with... Um, uh, Michael and Stephen, uh, we recorded last night before uh, sales went live. Um, we recorded another interview as well, which will be the, at the end of uh, this podcast, uh, where we are talking to Ed Vanderveen, who is the one of the co-organizers of the Texas Pinball Festival. Yep, and um, you know we we are both hoping to be there. We uh, we haven't uh, actually booked our, our flights yet, but uh, we are intending to be there. Put it that way. Yes. We're just waiting for prices to drop. Yes, we've been waiting a while, but uh, we'll, we'll get on to that later anyway. And, and if anything drops, then rather the prices than the <laughs> itself. <laughs> yes, that's the only thing we want to draw. Uh, so moving on to uh, to Stern Pinball, and um, it's been been a an interesting month for them. It's um, probably the most interesting feature is as uh, an email which uh, that they sent out to their distributors, and. Um, We've, we've reported in the past how there have been big uh, back orders of games or backlog in producing games uh, right. caused by the... Uh, Over 5,000 games waiting to be built. Right, of I mean, course, huge. Which is partly due to uh, supply chain issues that have been plaguing the industry, especially last year, probably even longer. And, yeah, uh, I think since 2020 it's been, been going on and, uh, and it continues. It's um, It's... Easing slightly, but I don't think it's uh, it's nowhere near better where it was. And uh, not only with supply actually getting the parts, but also the prices of them and the price to ship them is uh, is a big big problem now um, in all industries as we've seen. Um, right. But uh, so anyway, Stern are, are, are hoping to address this by cutting back on the release of or the number of new games they're going to announce this year, so they can catch up on producing. Games they've already announced. Yes, and that goes back as far as Deadpool, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, people have been waiting over a year, if not 18 months, for, for orders that they, they they put in. And it's, uh, yeah, well, I think it's very good that people people uh, are prepared to wait that long for, uh, for their game. Well, for Stern, I think this is something that they, they had to address, because at some point people are just going to say, like, forget it, I'll just get another game. They might get it from the competition, and that—that's exactly what Gary was always afraid of. Mm. That people can only spend their money once, although that's not entirely true, because plenty of people have enough money to buy multiple games a year. But um, if they can't deliver the games, at some point people are going to bail. Yes, and of course it opens the market up to to other companies to get involved. You know, if people have got um, money burning a hole in their pocket and they're desperate to spend it and, and nobody can, uh, or none of the existing companies can actually, you know, supply games to them, then uh, it's it's a perfect opportunity for, for an, a startup company to come along who actually can produce games. Right. Now, we're still waiting for that to happen, but, well, that's it's a, it's not a nice joke, but <laughs> in all fairness, none of the startup companies can produce the amount of, the number of games that Stern is able to produce. No, but they don't need to, probably. If they're, if they're a startup company, they could start relatively small, but uh, the, the, yeah. they can sell everything, you know, we've just seen today. 
right. with uh, with multimorphic uh, sales. You know, if they, if they announce a game and, and uh, it sells out, and that seems to be the case with every new launch, doesn't it? Uh, everything yes. sells out almost immediately. Well, that 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 reminds me of of one comment regarding the multimorphic thing, um, especially now that we know that the the, the two hundred and twenty seven limited edition units sold out. It made me wonder: is that is, is are the multimorphic limited edition units now the new toppers, where people just buy the unit just so they have it and they can flip it for more money? Yes, and of course it, it is a topper as well. That's that's just what you get in in the limited edition kit. You do right. get the animated topper. So yeah, um, could well be. Although I suspect the uh, the the market is probably a bit smaller for those people. The number of uh, P three units out there. Um, it's got to sure. be you no, know, probably less than a thousand, I would, I would guess. But uh, they did sell 227 kits in one day, and uh, the, those are the limited edition ones, and uh, presumably no, a, a significant number of standards as well. Yeah, and um, and quite a few of those will probably be entire new games, which um, will be you know the base unit with the uh, with the module and right. uh, and the LE kit as well. So, right, okay. uh, but we, uh, sorry yeah. for drifting off. Yeah. Um, that, that was my business. Yes. So. Yeah, we were back on back on back to Stern anyway. Yeah. And, uh, so but, basically, the announcement is uh, where Stern usually is announcing a game in April, August, and December. Um, the April game is going to be skipped. Rush was announced in December, but it's still counting as the first game that they took into production this year. Which basically means that we have to wait until August for a new title to be announced. Right. And then the, then the, there'll be one announced in December but not not produced until January next year. Yes. I guess. Well, I suppose least... they're, they're, they're still building the uh, the August title back then. Yeah. And um there's conflicting rumors about uh which title it is. Uh Venom is rumored to be an upcoming title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. James Bond is and apparently it could be that the April game is not going to be the August game, but that the April game might be, might be released later and the August game remains the August game. So so they f- sort of flip the upcoming title. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, so there's, um, I guess if it, if it is the James Bond one that we're talking about, which I think we, we know exists, and that was, we believe that was Steve Ritchie's final design, which has since been redesigned, um, probably by George Gomez, that is, you know, in, in in every sense, a timeless title. You know, there's no imperative to get it out in time for all to tie in with a movie release. Especially not since uh, after the last movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I quite. Don't, I don't think we might see a James Bond movie anytime soon. Well, you know, that, that movie was, was actually, you know, finished two years before it was released. So it was, uh, it was just waiting for, for, for cinemas to reopen and movie theatres to actually be able to screen it. So it was, uh, it's, it's been a, a while, and, but we haven't even had an announcement of who the next James Bond's going to be yet. So maybe when that happens, that'll be a good time to, to bring out the game. Right. So, um, so anyway, no new game from Stern until August, but you might get your Deadpool or uh, other title finally being produced. Yeah, and the announcement did say no, no. Oh, well, o- only two Cornerstone titles this year. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't imply there won't be any other studio or home editions, which right. which will come out. 
okay, which which might be easier to build um, or could be designed around um, the parts that they do have available. Yes. So, and then, um, well, there's some technical news that I let let you in. Oh, oh uh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, Stern's well, we've mentioned obviously uh, Stern's insider connected system, and uh, that's um, that's been recognised by the innovation and and by innovation and tech today as a top fifty most innovative product. Okay, so that's uh, innovate, innovation and tech today. I'm sure you're all avid readers of uh, INTT. Well, it's... Uh, yeah, never miss an issue. Exactly. Well, for those who have been missing out up to now, it's one of the leading publishers of content on innovation, technology and the sciences, apparently. And they announced uh, the winners of their 50, top 50 most innovative products um, and Stern uh, were uh, in that in that list of top 50. So right. congratulations all, to them. I'm 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 always curious whether this uh, this organization or this publisher uh, discovered that themselves, or whether Stern could simply apply. And uh, as long as there's no more than fifty entries, then you're in there. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to just to, to uh, try diminish their achievement, but uh, we do get um, even at our our uh, our little pinball club, we get um, quite regular mailings saying. We have been considered for an award for the most innovative business, or even in in areas in which we're not we're not participating, like transport awards. We get nominated for that, right? Um, so, so, but uh, I'm I'm sure this is uh, a, a a worthy award. And um, anyway, congratulations to to them on being being recognised. Um, and it is uh, you know it is a, an innovative feature. So, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. So, um, well, I'll take the next one. Mm. Um, uh, as you might remember, uh, during Pinball Expo last year, uh, Jack Danger had a, uh, a stage where he was doing interviews with, uh, uh, as we now can say, <coughs> sorry, oh, colleagues. You're not sounding too from... good there, Jonathan. Are you, no, are know, you suffering? I yeah, I am. Oh, dear. Okay. I'm a bit fluish. If you yeah. couldn't hear by my voice already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do hope you feel better. But please carry on. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Jack had this stage where he uh, did interviews with what are now his colleagues, or uh, most of them, like uh, well, George Gomez, Greg Freres, John Borg, um, the women of uh, Hot Nudge were also on there, and Stern have uh, this month or last month started publishing these recordings on their uh, Facebook channel so you can watch the interviews that Jack or the talks that they had uh, on there, which are uh, quite entertaining, I, I would say. Yes. I, I haven't watched them myself, but I'm guessing they'll be quite sort of laid back um, and not, not so sort of um, no, formal, shall we put it that way. Yeah. Given that it's, uh, it's drinks with Jack um, sessions. So uh, anyway, um, so if you want to get that um, on the uh, Facebook page, you say? Yeah, Stern Facebook page and probably also Instagram, but I haven't checked. I would have thought it would be on their YouTube channel as well. but uh, Probably, yeah. If not, yeah, then soon. Yes, um, and speaking so. of, uh, of the Stern um, team, um, this week that we're doing this recording is the week where the, the London show, the EAG International Expo, is held. It's uh, normally held in January, but due to COVID, it was deferred or delayed until March. 
So it's um, it's the second to the fourth of March, which is uh, well um, tomorrow. No, from it's the first to the third. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm um, I beg your pardon. I am looking at my my dark mic, my, <laughs> the the time and date on uh, on my computer, and it says it's the first. And I was thinking, oh, it's the first, so it must be tomorrow, which is the second. Second. Yeah. But in fact, yeah. uh, it's already gone past midnight here, so it is actually um, the first day. So the, yeah, as you're right. The first and third of uh, of March, and um, Stern are sending quite a team to the yes, show. Quite this a heavy year. delegation. Yes, um, they send out an, uh, a mailing as well, um, indicating that uh, Stern's new president, uh, Seth Davids, will be uh, giving uh, Stern insider connected presentations uh, at both the uh, the, the Tuesday and the Wednesday of the show. Uh, and he's accompanied with uh, Gary Stern, Doc Score, and Wayson Chang. Yeah. So where uh, I'd say that Wayson was kind of a surprise to me. Well, he's uh, he's the lead developer, I think, of the Insider Connected. So that that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, if you're going to the uh, EAG show in London at the Excel Centre in uh, in Docklands, um, stop by the Electricoin booth, which is where Stern. Uh, will be that's uh, Electricoin being the Stern distributors for the UK, and uh, you can you can catch Gary, Seth, Doug, and Wayson there, and uh, and watch the presentation about uh, Insider Connected. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they want you to get your phone out and register right away. And <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so you haven't already. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, well, then there's the uh, uh, obligatory. Um, section of new code, which I leave up to you. And, well, I'm, I'm going to skip through this because uh, you just, you know, there's, there's so much of it. In fact, um, there's been updates for Monsters, two updates for Monsters, from version 1.20 to 1.21. Yeah, so, there we go. Uh, Rush, <laughs> Rush, of course, is the, the current game on the line, or the current latest title. That's had two updates, which is not really surprising, um, from 0.8. 8.8 and 0.89. Godzilla, the previous game, that's also getting a, an update or got an update from to uh, 0.91. Um, Star Wars, um, interesting. That's uh, that's had an update. The first update for 14 months, which added the Insider Connected stuff to it. I think people were waiting for uh, for that, and I think that was a licensing thing because they had um, part of the Insider Connected is to add the achievements, which need to be approved by the licensor. So there were 62 of those added. In, along with uh, a couple of fixes and some a uh, few additional cha- uh, setting changes, so version one point two one for Star Wars and uh, Jurassic Park Home Edition as well. I had a little uh, little tweak with some uh, rebalance scoring, a few bug fixes, uh, and a new dead flip skill shot. Of course, uh, being a, a Jack Danger design, there's the tie-in there. Right. Okay. And that sums it up for uh, Stern Pimble. I think I it does. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay, so if you're going to EAG, uh, do give my regards to Gary and the team. Yes, we will miss you. Um, unfortunately, you, you won't be there this year. Yes. But we, we have other plans together um, before um, too much longer, and we'll talk about those a bit later. Right, so uh, moving across the block yeah. from Stern, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, yeah, they've uh, been producing um, some sort of extra add-ons Ready for the for the mainly for the Guns and Roses game. Um, you could buy a 
six-piece six piece platinum record decal set for your spinning disc if you own a Guns N' Roses. Um, for a mere $39, you can get six um, record-shaped decals, which are officially licensed um, and represent the album's Appetite for Destruction, Lies, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, The Spaghetti Incident, and Chinese Democracy. And if you want to, you want to uh, get those, you can go to uh, their web shop, which is at uh, pinballwizard.com, and you can order them there. So remember, thir- uh, $39 for your decal set. Right. Okay. And um, uh, I missed it, but apparently there were some promotional Guns N' Roses uh, main play fields available to purchase in the same uh, uh, Pinball Wizard store for $299. And, yes. Um, which quickly sold out. It gets me thinking uh, uh, promotional, but probably meaning uh, second, in as in uh, quality grade. So there must be a stretch on there uh, somewhere or a dimple or what have you. I don't know. Yes, I was uh, I was surprised there wasn't a, a whole slew of uh, sarcastic comments about um, all the playfields being seconds or uh, um, something about the promotional promotional nature and, and, and playfield quality but um 299 seems a pretty good good deal anyway for for it and uh, at the time of purchasing you could you could automatically um sign up to have it signed by eric munier um right which is a nice feature you know and uh, unfortunately it was only available in the us and even more unfortunately it's all sold out so you can't get it anyway Right, so um, uh, we'll see these pop up for a thousand bucks. Yes, probably, uh, probably not as promotional, probably as, as full replacement playfields. Yes. Right. Okay. And then, um, well, there is some uh, conflicting rumors about uh, the upcoming next title for Jersey Jack uh, Pinball, which is uh, been rumored to be Toy Story. Uh, although that has never been officially confirmed, uh, but I don't think it's uh, that much of a secret anyway. No, um, I don't think... The rumor it, is... It, things are never confirmed until they actually uh, are are announced, are they? True, true. Um, so the rumor is, on the one hand, that uh, Jersey Jack might reveal the game at the Texas Pinball Show, and the conflicting rumor is that they might not. <laughs> well, I think we can guarantee one of those two will happen. Yeah, uh, so remember where you heard it first. <laughs> so, but uh, <coughs> sorry, it appears that um, uh, the production of Guns N' Roses is coming to an end, which is uh, uh, on the early side. I would expect, uh, as I do recall, an email from last year where they uh, in, uh, scheduled production of Guns N' Roses to be until the early summer, if I'm not mistaken, and. Uh, uh, in my book, that's not early March. No, so no. But um, yes, it's uh, it's been a long time since we've been able to uh, announce or talk about a, a new Jersey Jack Pinball title. So uh, obviously, Guns and Roses has been a, a huge seller for them. So very successful in, in that regard. Probably their biggest seller, if uh, probably overtaking Wizard of Oz, I'd have thought by now. So it's uh, it's, it's long overdue and. Uh, I think it may have even taken them by surprise how successful it was, and they've been. No, they've got a they've got a, a, a number of designers there, and they've got a number of designs, and they they can't sit on them forever. They need to need to get them out into the market. So yeah, yeah, and you know we know that um, 
the title you, you spoke about just now, Toy Story. We think that's been that's been done and done and dusted for a long time. Right. So um, well, the good news on that is that it's software-wise, it should be completely uh, ironed out. I would say. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if they could actually release a, you know, a fully fleshed out game with with you know, complete feature complete software in it. Yes, and um, oh well, we'll just have to uh, to wait and see. Uh, obviously, uh, it would be great if it would be at Texas, uh, but we don't know how ready JJP is to take the game into production and what their strategy is um, once they announce the game officially. Whether they want to be able to have hundreds or I don't know, maybe a, a thousand games ready to ship. That's just a number I pulled up from the top of my head. But mm-hmm. um, uh, we both remember Jack saying that he will not announce new games until he has units to ship. So um, uh, if that is the, going to be the case for Toy Story as well, um, then they might uh, do some pre-production, I suppose, before they announce the game so that they have units to ship. Yeah, well, we understand that um, that Jack Guarneri will be at the Texas Pinball Festival. To, and he's giving a talk there. I don't know if there's anybody else from the uh, Jersey Jack Pinball team scheduled to, to talk there. I don't think so, but you never know. You never know who's going to turn up to uh, to that seminar, do you? I would actually be surprised if Eric Meunier isn't there. Mm, yes. Yes. I, I, because... well, of course, it'll be Steve Ritchie. I mean, Steve Ritchie's always there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve Ritchie is announced as a as a guest, yeah. and uh, I think there's a seminar with Jack and Steve. Uh, that's going to be uh, going to be awesome, um, and uh, I think it will be streamed live. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that a bit more later, anyway. Right. So, yep. Okay. So um, that's about all the news. I think it is find for uh, for Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, moving across the uh, the globe, um, uh, we've talked about the home pin. Uh, factory in Taiwan uh, where they are working on the uh, This is Spinal Tap pinball and there's some news on that Yeah um, towards the end of the month um, there was there was more but earlier on there were, there were lots of pictures um, from from Mike Kalinowski uh, of various assemblies being produced for the game This is Spinal Tap but they didn't didn't sort of explain what they were or how they were going to fit into the game or anything like that. Uh, one of the new, one of the uh, mechanisms being built is a is a new three bank drop target assembly, which is all made out of stainless steel parts and uh, including the springs and uh, uh, looks pretty uh, impressive. But uh, drop target assemblies are generally quite quite nice looking devices, I think, for, from a mechanical point of view. Um, and a three-bank drop target, we think TAP, you know, w- would be good to spell that out. Now, um, Highway Entertainment um, posted a well, posted a couple of things actually. They've uh, they've announced their Australian agents who who will be uh, distributors for the games in in the in Australia. Uh, we won't go through who they all are because uh, it's a pretty small. Um, so, um, well, okay, let's do it. Yeah, okay. So all, all pinball um, and play well games in Queensland, uh, pinball spare parts Australia, who uh, I think we well we know well as a as a, a parts supplier. They're all, they're a uh, distributor for the game in Victoria, and Highway Entertainment themselves are in New South Wales. Right. Um, but also they've been 
uh, highway i think have been are behind the uh, a new website that's been set up uh, which which you saw jonathan i i wasn't i didn't spot that yeah i spotted that the spinal tap pinball.com um where it basically says that home pin opened up uh, pre-orders for the game Mm. Uh, the, the website says, it, 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 well, first of all, it's not a very professional-looking website. <laughs> it's, it's really going back to, welcome to 1998, the first days of internet, it reminds me of. Yeah, I was a bit shocked because it's actually got quite a, quite a few spelling errors on it, including spelling the game wrong. Uh, which uh, would be one of the biggest sins, you'd think. It's uh, if you send in an inquiry, which uh, should be an enquiry on, the, on there, um, with an e rather than an i. Um, Is that uh, Australian spelling? No, I don't think so. Uh, could be could be American, but um, but um, also it says subject spinal tap pinball machine inquiry is also filled in. Uh, it spells tap with two p's, which uh, is a bit weird. But um, anyway, well, that's, uh, this is uh, 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 tap pinball. So the second P is for pinball. Ah, okay. Um, I suppose. Yes, let's uh, uh, let's go with that. Um, but yes, if you want to um, send an inquiry about the game, you can go through uh, spinaltappinball.com, uh, spelt properly, spinal tap with one P. Um, but there are some details about what's what's in the game. Which I don't think we've seen published anywhere else before. It says it yeah. includes a 27-inch back glass LCD monitor, which I think is the same size as the Jersey Jack Pinball one. Right. Uh, also has a traditional DMD display, has stainless steel ramps, um, a quick-release steel metal lockdown bar, which I think we have spoken about before as, a, as an yes. upgrade from the plastic one that was on uh, a Thunderbird's game. Uh, it says it has original Spinal Tap soundtracks. Uh, well, yeah, whatever that means. Um, cut vi- cut video scenes from the original movie, replica models of famous uh, tap guitars, and uh, and also um, lifetime PCB support for the boards. Right. For the boards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, so the site doesn't look that uh, uh, impressive, but at least we have a date. We do. Um, the the only thing worrying is that it's a pre-order. System and we have seen that go wrong a couple of times. Yeah, although uh, well, marketing-wise, I don't think it's the smartest thing to do. Let's put it like that. Well, this is—I'm not sure whether this pre-order and um, I'm not sure we actually mentioned it. it. It says it would be the game will be available from May, um, but I'm not sure whether the pre-ordering is through Highway Games or whether it's through um, Homepin themselves. So. Um, I, I would assume it's actually through Highway. So, in which case, it's probably only for Australia. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, oh, well. other distributors are available. So, uh, contact them. Uh, contact your local one, and uh, if you're interested in getting a, this is Spinal Tap Pinball, um, and, or indeed finding finding out more about when they might actually have it available. Right, and of course. Uh, home pin products are distributed elsewhere in the world as well, so it's not just limited to Australia. Oh no, definitely not. No, and they make a, a, a wide range of other products as well, apart from apart from the games themselves. Right. Okay. Okay. So moving um, on. Yeah. Um, normally, while we... we're in the neighbourhood, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm screwing up the order, <laughs> but um, Haggis Pinball, yeah, Australia. 
supposed to be working on uh, Fathom Revisited. Mm-hmm. Um, no news. No. I'm not, no, been, yeah, been very, very odd because, yeah. Yeah, normally we, we you, know, you know, Damien's been very proactive in, in producing lots of updates in the past. So we have had quite a few periods where, you know, it's gone quiet or it's gone dark and we haven't heard anything for a long time. Uh, we're in one of those at the moment. So right. hopefully that just means that they're busy, you know, getting their heads down and building lots of Fathom Revisited games. Right, yeah. But and, we don't uh, know. Otherwise, uh, it'll be a news topic for the coming months, I suppose. Yeah, you know, uh, predictably, there, there, are, there are plenty of people with um, uh, theories about exactly why, conspiracy theories, shall I say, about why the game, why we haven't heard anything about it and, uh, and some natives are getting restless because they haven't heard, haven't had updates on them. But... Other people have, have sent emails to Damon to ask him what's going on, and they've got prompt replies with uh, right. with the information okay. they've asked for. So he's just talking to the buyers and not uh, maybe we should not just publishing. Ask. Maybe we should. Maybe we'll send him an email, see what's going on. Right. Okay. Um, back to uh, to the order that that we had in mind: Deep Root Pinball. Yeah. Well, obviously, not not a huge amount of news coming out of uh, a Deep Root um, because they don't really exist anymore as a company. They're uh, obviously filing for bankruptcy, and um, there is an auction of uh, the contents of the of what was the. I hesitate to call it a factory, but their their offices, which was uh, we spoke about last month as as being organised, but. Um, it, it's certainly going to be a few weeks away, and I don't think there's actually been a date set when that auction is going to take place. So um, if, if we do find out what it is, we'll obviously let you know um, as soon as possible. So you can uh, you can get in there and, and bid for uh, carpet tiles or uh, or the, the notice board off the wall with the, uh, with the production schedule. Right. Well, that's going to be collectible. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything will be. Yeah, quite right. But uh, but hopefully there'll be some some good stuff in there as well. You know, yeah. maybe in some prototype or uh, sample games. Right. So uh, because nobody knows where they those went. Well, some, they, someone knows where they went, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Okay. Well, right. so, okay. so 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 no news there. Um, so let's um, let's head up to uh, well to Scandinavia and and the Pinball Brothers, um, obviously producing Alien. And uh, and the and uh, the, the LV, uh, yes, yeah. So they're busy doing that and sending them all over the world. Um, they haven't been saying very much about about uh, what they've been up to, but they did say that they were planning to have a what they call their own little alien invasion at the Texas Pinball Festival. So uh, it's not clear if anyone from Pinball Brothers will be there, uh, or if it will be a distributor who will be, be representing them, but. Um, if you have, uh, if you wanted to play the limited version of the game and uh, haven't done so up till now, um, it looks like they will have some available for you to play at Texas. Right. That's about it, really. I can't really say anything more about what's going on at Pinball Brothers because they've been uh, been very quiet and just you know, getting their heads down, building games. Well, that's one thing. Uh, somebody needs to do it. So. Uh, mm, uh, yes. Not not very uh, exciting, but uh, or, fa- or uh, fashionable, but it's uh, it's what it's what the business is all about, right? Okay, um, yeah. Then uh, moving on to uh, I suppose Spooky Pinball. Yeah. Any any news there? Well, um, uh, I think I already covered it in my uh, my newsletter, but 
uh, they they celebrated a big milestone, uh, uh, being that they completed 100 games start to finish in three weeks' time. And that was already at the beginning of uh, uh, February, I should say. Uh, but 100 games in three weeks, uh, uh, that's quite impressive, I suppose. There's uh, plenty of other companies that don't build that many. Yeah, that's 33, 33 a week. That's, uh, that's pretty good going, I'd say. Yes, and um, uh, Justin, they uh, they also re- uh, are releasing new game code for Halloween and Ultraman. And what they did was um, they streamed the new code with all the new uh, full screen clips, animation, uh, new user, user interface, new modes, and much more on their um, uh, YouTube channel. Uh-huh. So if you're interested in seeing what the game uh, currently plays like, then uh, look up Spooky Pinball in uh, on YouTube and you'll find it soon enough, I suppose. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's good to see that they're, they're adding new stuff to the game still. Uh, they've been building it for a while, so uh, it's, it's, it's nice that the game's been, been, given, no, been given the attention it, it deserves. Right. So, um, and it's also making me wonder, like, if they're building 100 games in three weeks, uh, could we see a new spooky game this year? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? If they can keep that rate up. And we don't know how many orders there were in total, do we, for, um, for Halloween and, and Ultraman? Mm, I think uh, I'm not sure whether both were limited, but uh, I don't I remember. I think they were, yeah, because they sold yeah. out very quickly, didn't they? Both of them. Yes, so uh, so that number is, uh, I suppose, it's fixed. Mm. So then it's just doing the math of how many did they build and when do we get to see another game? Well, it sounds like it should be uh, should be announcing something else fairly soon. So maybe at the uh, if not at the, the Texas, well, if not there, then maybe at the Midwest Gaming Classic, which is a bit That's nearer probably, yeah. to them and more, more their local show. Right, that okay. makes sense. Okay, so I think that's all the news we have from Suki Pinball. Um, let's go. Little, to their, uh, well, sort of partner in crime. Uh, yeah, as they are collaborating uh, on a game together, uh, which has not been released, but it has been announced that they are collaborating. Mm-hmm. This is Chicago, uh, Chicago Gaming. Yep. Yes. Um, who basically indicated on Facebook uh, that they were having supply chain issues, which were delaying the building of Cactus Canyon remakes. Uh, they did ship a number of uh, special edition models, but the limited editions seemed delayed. And they basically said, thank you to everybody for their patience as we're dealing with some supply chain issues for Cactus Canyon. Um, they announced that the, uh, the special edition started shipping and uh, they will be showcasing places where you can pl- go play Cactus Canyon Special Edition um, uh, as soon as they know where they are uh, open f- uh, on, on locations open to the public while they continue to manufacture more games. That's about uh, everything that they posted. Hmm. That's a, uh, a, past a shame, and I hope they are uh, able to overcome those uh, those supply chain issues and get those games and the limited edition ones out to to the buyers because it's uh, it looks like it's a great game with some uh, some interesting new additions. So uh, right. well, I, I know it is. I played it, but uh, um, 
and from that point of view, I think I think it's good that uh, that more people get to get get to play and uh, and people who bought it get their games because uh, I think people are getting a little bit fed up waiting all the time. You know, but unfortunately, everyone's suffering as we said from the same supply chain issues. So you can't you can't just sort of leap from one manufacturer to another one to uh, no. to but it's surprising get your game see, sooner. Uh, it's interesting to see how uh, each manufacturer is dealing with it in their own way. Mm, yes, and uh, and whether they whether they admit to having supply chain issues or not, right. So, mm. so um, well, on to our next uh, favorite manufacturer, Pinball <laughs> Adventures. We yep. are working on the uh, the Pony Factory game, which um, uh, well, we're waiting for progress. And um, uh, I did see a, a short video on Instagram showing the completed. Pony Factory game with a, uh, a tagline on it saying that they are starting bug testing on the game, which is interesting because I figured once the design is complete, uh, there should be a prototype which already has been bug tested and what have you. But apparently, that's this one. Yeah, it was it was uh, just in a track mode. There was no actual gameplay as far as I could see on that video. So yeah, a bit surprising that they're still at that stage. But you know, it's it's been a long um long journey to even get this far hasn't it and uh this i'm hoping that uh once they got the bunny factory finished it won't take that long for subsequent titles to to come out because this has taken years and years right yeah let's hope they get to release them before they run out of money yeah yeah um doesn't seem to be a concern at, uh, okay. at the moment. Anyway, so that's Pinball Adventures. We'll obviously keep you updated if there's any, any further developments on uh, the Pony Factory or any of the future titles that they have it in the pipeline. It would be nice if uh, if the Pony Factory game and other titles would be present at the Texas show. Well, I think yeah, we don't know. Um, we'll have to wait to see what's, what's going to turn up there. Right. So. Probably, probably better to get to the... Uh, it's a long way from... Uh, from Vancouver down to down to Texas, so uh, yeah, maybe the Midwest Gaming Classic is a bit of a nearer show for them, or indeed the uh, the Northwest Pinball Show in uh, in Tacoma. Yeah, absolutely, just over so. the border. Okay, and uh, well, um, in terms of manufacturers, there's uh, one left that uh, is uh, very near to me, literally, mm-hmm. which is a Dutch Pinball. Um, I uh, Texas with the owner Barry Dreesen this afternoon and asked whether there was any news. Uh, he quickly came back to me saying, well, it's basically just the usual. We're building games, we're expanding slowly, and the bar supply seems to be okay. Oh, okay, so, that's good so, news. So, that is good news. And, um, well, there's still a lot of people waiting for their game. Uh, I did see some uh, uh, comments that it appears that uh, uh, these uh, so-called uh, uh, early achievers, which are people that mm-hmm. paid in full years ago and are still waiting for their game, um, uh, were promised that the uh, games would be built at a, a, a one out of four uh, built games would go to an early achiever. But apparently it, it, it seems to look like, and I'm not saying this is true, but some people get the impression that there's more games being built for new customers mm. yeah. who pay more money for the game and that the early achiever games are not at a one to four ratio being built. So, But they're still building games. They're still in business. Um, 
So yeah. hopefully they get to deliver the early achiever games. Um, I'm, um, I may be imagining this, but uh, I thought I saw some news from Dutch Fimble, or at least from, uh, it might have been from Cointaker, saying that there was a new batch of Bride of Pinbot 2.0 kits yes. available. Did think, you see that? Uh, yeah, well, I didn't see it from Cointaker, but I did see Stefan Riedler uh, pointing that out. Um, he's the distributor for Australia. Uh, sorry, for Austria, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that he had some new uh, Bride of Pinbot kits uh, come in as well. Um, uh, it might seem news, but I think uh, Barry announced a, a new run of this Bride of Pinbot uh, kit to distributors, and it was I think it was limited to like 50 units or so, um, which I recall from previous conversations, and uh, they sold out rather quickly. Right. Okay, good. So there was no need to... to Advertise them heavily no. for, uh, for Dutch Pinball. No, oh, good. Okay. Well, they're still making those as well in, uh, alongside uh, full the Big Lebowski games. Yes. So, uh, so, so uh, like I said, they're, uh, they're busy, um, expanding slowly. Um, I'd rather see them expand more quicker, but oh well, we'll see. Yes, and someone else who is expanding is, uh, is Marco Specialties. And so some, some good news from them that they are looking for an entry-level software developer. They, uh, they put an advert out saying that uh, Marco Specialties, a 30-person family of nerds, they call themselves, uh, seeks an entry-level software developer with, with technical chops and an eye for process. Uh, this is at their, their Lexington, South Carolina facility. And the, uh, the salary seems to be uh, $55,000 to $70,000 um, plus benefits and a training stipend. So uh, good money there to be to be had if you uh, fancy getting uh, either getting into pinball or uh, expanding your pinball skills with market specialties in, uh, in Lexington, South Carolina. I'm not sure whether it, you have to be a good pinball or a skilled pinball player. No, to, I don't uh, I think I'd rather have a good programmer. Yeah, or a I'm software sure developer. About, sure, it's about, about uh, parts and inventory and, uh, and sales and uh, the database and, um, and stock control rather than uh, actually making games. Right. Or is it? Maybe we have a new manufacturer in the, in the making and that's the, uh, that's the first leak. Ooh. <laughs> now we're on to something. <laughs> that could be, could be interesting. In the meantime... Yes. Um, I did get a um, uh, a message from our good friend oh, Gary Flower. Yes, of course. Oh, how could we forget? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm um, sure he's Gary. Uh, yeah, great I news. talked to him this afternoon. He had uh, he had some news that he would like to share with us. Yeah. So I said, "Well, uh, we're recording tonight. Why don't you come on our uh, podcast?" Which he um, agreed to, but he 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 just sent me this oh. um, recorded message, which I'll. Uh, uh, I'll just play right now. Let's see what it says. Okay. Hi, guys. Your podcast is particularly interesting this month. But as uh, one of you isn't sounding too well, I won't be joining you because I don't want to catch anything. Bye for now. Well, that's very wise. I think um, you can obviously hear that you're uh, you're suffering a little bit there, Jonathan. And uh, and um, he needs to, needs to keep his health up. Right. I didn't. Well... 
I may have caught something. I didn't know I was that contagious that it would reach over the phone. Well, it's best not to take any chances, really. You know, he carries, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's getting on a bit. And uh, we, we all have to, as indeed we all are, and we have to uh, have to take uh, special measures. And uh, we, w- we wouldn't want to hear him uh, give us the latest news through a, a, a mask or anything like that. So uh, I got- oh, we had that before. <laughs> <laughs> well... He's 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 a wise guy to uh, to uh, take the precautions. So I guess we'll catch up with him next month then. Okay. Oh well. So uh, sorry about that. Um, but uh, we do have another guest. We though. do. Um, we we mentioned it enough times um, in this particular pincast. But uh, the Texas Pinball Festival is of course coming up later this month, towards the end of this month, in fact. And uh, we both intend to be there. And we will be uh, be hosting our regular So You Think You Know Pinball Prize Quiz, which is uh, free uh, to enter. And we end up giving away an awful lot of uh, very nice prizes to, to people who are able to get the correct answers to our, qu- our quiz questions. Or, yes, usually uh, sponsored by... Uh... Most of the people manufacturers. Yes, and and part suppliers as well. We're all very generous in, in donating prizes for it. Um, we're not entirely sure exactly when it is, as as uh, we I think we we were originally down to do it on Saturday evening, about six o'clock. But uh, traditionally we've done it on a Friday evening. But you know, yes, we're 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 uh, relaxed about it. We'll do it whenever it fits into uh, Ed's. Um, uh, schedule of events um, right. but to find out more about that uh, the best thing to do is to, is to speak to Ed himself so uh, right. let's um, let's give Ed a, a call and uh, he can tell us all about what's going on at this year's Texas Pinball Festival hello Ed hi guys how's everybody oh, well, uh, we're, well, doing we're doing great yeah how, how about you we haven't heard from you in two years well I've been spending a lot of time well, like everybody else, uh, we're all at home and are going to the beach or bouncing back and forth between Texas and Florida. But now we have a show to do, thank goodness. So well, that's that's all we've been doing for the last for the last couple of months now is is getting ready for this big show that everybody's excited about. Yeah, so yeah. Just just for the people um, uh, who are uh, new to our podcast or uh, pincast, sorry, and uh, uh, haven't been aware, uh, the Texas Pinball Festival is um, one of the biggest and probably, well, definitely one of the best pinball shows in the US, um, I will say. Um, but two years ago, just before it was about to happen, you had to cancel. And then the year after, you knew a little bit more up front, but you had to cancel again. Right. In 2021, we still weren't allowed. You know, the, there was too many people that were still locked on lockdown and, and not able to travel. So we just we just couldn't do it in 2021. It would have just been you know, local people. So we wanted you guys and everybody from north and from Europe to be able to come to the show. So, so we just rolled it one more year, but it looks like everything is open now. Most, I think most countries are, 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 have relaxed their uh, travel restrictions. Yeah. And it sounds sounds like everybody's coming. (laughs) The main thing is that the U S allows us in. I think last time we, we were allowed to leave the country, but we couldn't have, couldn't have entered the the United States, but now, yeah, now it's a lot more, uh, a lot more relaxed and, uh, and that's uh, that kind of uh, sums up the show, doesn't it? It's going to be a lot more relaxed. Everyone's going to be be able to finally get their their fill of uh, a pinball that they've been been waiting two years for. 
and I think everybody's going to love the show. It's We have a lot planned. All the manufacturers are going to be there. So, and I'm really hoping, uh, well, it's going to be a big show. It's, you know, nobody's canceled. Everybody's planning on being there. So we can go through, uh, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? Well, you, you seem to have a, uh, a a huge list of special guests at the show. I mean, I, I wouldn't ask you to name them all because you're bound to, bound to miss somebody off. But um, who, who, are the, who are the highlights of, in, in your mind of uh, who's going to be at this year's Texas Pinball Festival? Well, obviously, the, like the big celebrity guest, this is something we started way back when we first had Elvira come to the show, mm-hmm. and, it, and it worked out so well. We've, we've tried to have some kind of a celebrity guest connected to pinball. Uh, this was our 20, uh, 2020 guest, uh, Sylvester McCoy, who most people know him as uh, the seventh doctor mm-hmm. from Doctor Who. He also played Radagast the Brown from the Hobbit movies. Yep. So he has agreed to, you know, we, he was supposed to come in 2020 when that got canceled, and he's he's been he's stuck with us. So he's going to come back for 2022. I've talked to his agent pretty regularly. He's currently filming uh, that new Rob Zombie Munsters reboot. He's got a role in that that they've, but they've said they've they've worked it around so he can come to Texas. So he's excited about coming. Okay, that's very cool. Yeah. So, and you know, it's, he's a lot of fun. If you've never met him, I mean, we're going to have a full size TARDIS and a, you know, some of the doctor who stuff and obviously some doctor who pinball machines that are there. Um, but other in the pinball world, uh, we got Greg Ferez coming. He did the artwork for the 2022 show. So, you know, those mm-hmm. of you that have seen it, that was done by Greg Ferez, uh, Mike Vinegar from Stern pinball, Scott Denisi, of course, Steve Ritchie is is coming. Uh, wouldn't be a pinball. Wouldn't be the Texas Pinball Festival without Steve Ritchie there. Uh, Mark Ritchie's coming. Jack Guarneri, Christopher Ferenci. Of course, if you can't tell, I'm just reading the list off the <laughs> website right now. I'm just that way. I don't miss anybody. Yeah, right. Jerry, Jerry Jerry Thompson, Thompson. <laughs> Jerry Thompson, uh, Kerry Hardy. Of course, you two fellas. Yeah, you're our special guests. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to see you all. John Borg. John Borg uh, just contacted us, gosh, just a few weeks ago, right before, uh, well, right when I announced him that he was coming. You know, Jerry Stellenberg's going to be there. Uh, for the first time, Randy oh. Martinez, he is the artist for the Mandalorian and the Stern comic book uh, edition Star Wars pins. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he's, he's really excited about coming. Yeah, well, uh, he has no clue what's coming for him. No, yeah, he's gonna do. Yeah, he's gonna be. Blown you're going. Away. You're going to spoil him right away. Any right. other pinball show he's going to do after that is going to be. Hey, it's not like <laughs> Texas. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, of course, Spooky Pinball's coming, and uh, our our latest announcements were Jack Danger and Amoto. Of course, they're they're the Twippy hosts mm-hmm. this year. So that's and of course uh, you, have, I, you have the Twippy Awards too. Yes, the and the Twippy Awards are going to be live at the Texas Pinball Festival, so we're really looking forward to that. That's always a lot of fun. Yeah, I still remember last time that we that I walked in there and won a Twippy, actually. <laughs> it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that easy, but I remember just coming out of a restaurant, and um, I think um, uh, the happy hour was before that, so um, I was... Um, Kind of in a happy place, I would say. Sure. And then I want a Twippy. <laughs> so, but okay, not, not, let's not focus on me, but I remember that very vividly. It was a very fun moment for myself. But I thought they did a really good job having it live. You know, I was really nervous that that first year that we did it uh, live at the Texas Pinball Festival. But, you know, 
uh, they pulled it off and it came out really oh, yeah. well. Oh, absolutely. No complaints. Uh, compliments to Jeff and his team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this year, they're really pulling out all the stops. I mean, they've got the production is going to be so much better, so much. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, the, the way they talk, it's going to be like watching the Academy Awards on, you know, on television or something. The, the, the stuff they've got planned. Hmm. Right. I mean, it sounds like you're going to have a, a huge show there. Um, how are the um, sort of ticket sales going and um, and what, what sort of feedback are you getting about how many people are going to be uh, be, be there as guests? Uh, it's been very well. I mean, it's people are buying tickets. They're buying wristbands. Of course, everybody from 2020 that, that held uh, were held over with us, they're going to be there. But ticket sales have been good. Um, normally... You know, we we print about twelve hundred name badges. I think we're up to over two thousand now. Oh my! Um, so most of them are are uh, you know, of course, a lot of them are from holdover yeah. for twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're gonna have uh, that's just for you know prepaid uh, people with uh, of course VIPs. You know, you guys, all of our special guests. I mean, that's that's a whole bunch of people. That's not all just paid tickets. I mean, that's that's you know all the vendors and all of their crew and every all the names that we get. But ticket sales have been good. Uh, I, I think we're gonna make it. Uh, I was I was a little nervous there at the beginning. You know, getting all the bills paid, but uh, I think we're gonna be okay. Great. Okay. Now, um, this is held at the Embassy Suites Hotel and the Frisco yes. Convention Center. Okay, you seem to you you do have the run of the hotel and the convention center, it seems. Um, now every year I, I kind of hear someone saying um, we are looking at going to somewhere bigger or uh, looking for an alternative uh, venue. Um, what's what's the, what's the state with that at the moment? Um, is is the show tied in to that location for beyond this year? Uh, I think we do have a 2023 contract, but here's the thing. I, I get this a lot, and I'm, I am not. Um, we love the embassy and, mm. and the city of Frisco, and they love having us there. But they're right. The, the as the show grows, you know, we need more space, or I need to do a better job of doing the floor plan to to allow more space. But you know, so this is kind of what I need. I need a obviously we need a, a large convention center. I like having a hotel attached to it. Yeah. I need lots of hotels surrounding it for yes. you know overflow people. You sell out. Yeah. You know that Stonebriar Mall is right across the street, and there's lots of places to go eat. So I need shopping. I need you know all of those things for so when people come and they bring their significant others who maybe are not such into pinball, they have things they can go do or or just things for people to go do. As much as I would like to say everybody's going to spend the entire weekend in the game room, they want to get out and go do other things. They want to go eat dinner. They want to go see – they want to go to Six Flags. They want to go to the National Video Game Museum, which is just a few miles away. So uh, – and then there's other little things like carpeting. I like having carpeting in the main, yeah. the oh, main hall. I mean, my goodness, your feet are already tired. So somebody find me a venue that's bigger than the embassy that has all of those things and checks all those boxes and – We'll talk about it. And, of course, it has to be in Texas. So yeah, cool. people, yes. people always talk, well, let's go to one of the casinos in Oklahoma. I'm like, well, then it's not the Texas Pinball Festival anymore. But, right. So so no no imminent plans to uh, to move to a, another location, which uh, I personally, I, I love where you are at the moment. I think it uh, ticks so many boxes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it does. It, it gives It's something for everybody. It's close to other things to do. 
So, I mean, other than, yeah, we need, we need more space and I'm going to, we're going to do a better job on the floor plan. I think we get kind of, you know, I, I like the way we normally do our floor plan and with it flows and with all the pipe and drape and it's kind of a maze as you walk through, but, but that takes up a lot of space. So we may have to do some redesigning and, you know, make it more shopping. I call it shopping aisles, but yeah, know, just to get, just, just so we have more people space and we can get more machines in and more vendors and, well, speaking of vendors, I'm looking at the list, and um, uh, I'm not from the top of my head. I tend to say like this is the biggest list of uh, vendors that I've seen so far, and you've already had a lot of vendors in previous editions. Mm-hmm. We've had some new sign up. Yeah, we're full on vendor space. I mean, well, you know, I say that we're full on vendor space, and you know, when I look at my, you know, my uh, my diagram of the floor plan. We're full on vendors because I'm assuming that we're going to have exhibitor games fill in all the rest of the spaces. So people still are signing up their exhibitor games. So exhibitors, get your game signed up for me. Mm-hmm. I'll throw that out there. But yeah, we haven't had any vendors cancel with the exception of just one or two. Um, we had one vendor uh, cancel just because they couldn't get they couldn't get parts and materials. They just they just didn't have anything to sell. They're sold out and they didn't have any inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to. Of course, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who else hasn't isn't coming. No, none of the none of the super big ones. We've had some smaller ones back out, but so far everybody's coming. Well, you you always sort of expanded in recent years into the corridor outside. You've had had quite a lot of uh, vendor stands out there. You know, yep. they can't all fit into the hall. There were so many of them. Uh, no. But but talking of the main hall, um, one of the, one of the I think one of the differentiating features of, of your show, which uh, I know is something that's been worked on you know, um, long and hard by the team, is the, the load-in and the load-out process for the yes. machines. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost balletic in its um, choreography, the way, uh, the way it's all organized. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's probably the hardest part of that venue. As much as, as once the show set up, how, how great the embassy and the, the – uh, Frisco Convention Center is. It does kind of suck that there's only one yeah. uh, load-in door. Now, a lot of people don't know there there is a a dock uh, on on another corner of the building. Though, so if you had a big truck that you could back up like a loading mm-hmm. dock, there is yeah. another way to get in. But most people have the ground; they do the ground level. Yeah. Um, so it will be, uh, you know, I don't know if you watch Kerry Hardy's uh, video. He, it's kind of a comical. I thought it was kind of funny, but he's right. Well, they're going to, you know, you load it, you, you back your stuff up, you get your game out, you put it in. There'll be a bunch of different aisles and they'll tell you where to drop your stuff and then move, move your car. So the next person can, you know, back up their trailer and get their stuff unloaded. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's pretty involved. It's it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's involved, but I think they've, you know, they kind of got it down. It's taking a lot. Of course, we've been doing this a number of years and every year we improve on it. So hopefully it'll go just as smoothly as it did, you know, as it has in years past. I think it runs. I think it goes pretty smoothly. I mean, we I never. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the but, games are checked in, and uh, and uh, or, no, so you have a list of every machine that's that should be in the hall. Which, yes, uh, which is impressive. Yes, they, Kim and uh, Robert Harris, have done a great job. They've they've created a little, and it's all internet based. As people show up, uh, the volunteers are at the loading dock with their little iPads. And you give them their net, you give them your name, they can 
pull you up. They can they know exactly what you're supposed to be bringing. If you've made changes or or bringing a different title, you know, if you signed up, uh, you know, if you signed up a uh, uh, an Adams family, and for whatever reason you had to change it to a Circus Voltaire, they can make that change right there at the back door, just so to try to keep our game list correct. I know Martin, you usually go around and do absolutely, a, yeah, do a, do an actual count. Of course, and Kim likes that you do that because she likes looking at your list compared to what <laughs> what we actually had signed up, just to see what the differences are. Don, I was I was going to uh, I was going to take the the shortcut this time and just use your list. Uh, that's <laughs> well, you can do that too, but changes are always made. It's yeah. pinball. Changes are always made last minute. Right. But anyways, people, as they check in, they can get them checked in. Uh, they can get them over to the registration area so they can pick up their packets, pick up their swag bags, get their badges and their wristbands. So it, hopefully it's a, you know, it's a smooth, smooth process. Right. Um, I'm looking at the, uh, at the game list uh, for the upcoming show. Um, I also see some uh, classic arcades, uh, actually more than just a few. Yep. That's getting more popular too. That's coming back. Let me switch over to the game list here. I haven't actually looked at it in a long time. <laughs> so, uh, oh my goodness, it is long. Oh yeah, the classic arcades. Look at that. Yeah, there's a lot of classic arcade games coming. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, from a um, um, uh, haute cuisine point of view, um, <laughs> is the uh, uh, the food truck court coming back, uh, coming back? Yes, I know. The isn't that crazy? Everybody loves the food trucks. So as far as I know, the food trucks, now that's something that, you know, they don't, they don't coordinate that with us. They coordinate that with the hotel and the convention center and the, the oh, Frisco okay. visitor center. That's not, they don't like the food truck people. They don't contact me and say, Hey, can I come be a food truck vendor? They, they do that through the, the hotel cause you know, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's yes, but the food truck should be there. Of course, the hotel will have their concessions, and then of course, there's you know just tons of of uh, dining options surrounding the the hotel and the, oh, the yeah. mall across the street and everything. Nobody's going to go hungry. Of course, Heartache Barbecue. I hear that a lot. Yeah, I was going, going to mention that. Yeah, it's going. It's been two years, or well, I just need some heartache. I can't help it. <laughs> say, that, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has um, several meanings, but uh, we'll, we'll stick to the uh, to the cleaner version of that. Well, the, the, uh, the thing is, brisket is not that very well known here in the Netherlands. So whenever I get to Texas, brisket is on my menu. Sure, and hard aid is probably the best place to get it. Yeah, well, well, to the embassy now. Now that's a very controversial topic when you start talking about barbecue in Texas because everybody everybody has their favorites. But yes, in the in the Frisco area, there's. And I'm sure other people will chime in uh, once they hear this. You'll get messages of of other places to go. But Hard Eight does seem to be the 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 fan favorite where everybody likes to go. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, uh, I was very disappointed that I had to miss Hard uh, Hard Eight for two years. So. And I hope I'm not saying anything with if I'm saying <laughs> anything inappropriate. No pun intended whatsoever. <laughs> oh, so many jokes. So many yes, jokes. I know. Yes. If, if only. If only he knew. <laughs> yeah. That, that, but that's what happens when English is not your native language. <laughs> so be fine. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so for all those people who who are now desperate to come and were sort of on the fence before and now know that it's going to be full on on the uh, the twenty fifth to twenty seventh of uh, of this month, 
well, of March anyway. March, um, yep. We're almost yeah. there. But, but I say by the time it, by the time this goes out, it probably be March. But uh, uh, yes. So if if they uh, want to find out more information and and buy tickets, um, is it is it uh, too late to pre-register for tickets? Is it uh, buy tickets on the door now, or, or what's the situation? Well, day only tickets are available at the door. So some people. You know, they're not going to spend three days. They just come. So you can buy a, a day pass at the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to if you want to buy a weekend pass, now, of course, like you said, by the time this airs, uh, weekend passes are uh, on sale now at the discounted price, which is – but the price is going to go up to full price on March 1st. Ah, right. So, okay. so but the thing about – so you can still get a weekend pass online. I think we're, we'll leave the, the store open probably until – you know, March 10th, March 15th. At some point we have to shut it all down to start packing things up and getting ready to go. Yeah. But you can, but if you buy your, your ticket, uh, online, you know, you'll get the wristband, you'll get the the printed badge that everybody seems to like. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, if that's something that you care about, otherwise you can just show up at the door and buy a weekend pass too. That'll be fine. Right. Okay. Um, you do always uh, have uh, um, uh, exhibitors bringing games in. Are you still looking for games for people to bring in games? We will never turn away games. Now, of course, like I said, I haven't. I'd have to go ask Kim. Of course, I'm looking at the list here to ask how many actual uh, these games are for exhibitors. Now, you can look at the list and see a lot of them are American pen. You know, they're going to go in vendor booths. American pinballs bring in a ton of stuff. Uh, uh, let's see, Marco, Marco Specialties and Fun Superstores are going to bring a bunch of Sterns. And so those will all go in vendor booths. But the actual exhibitors, the people that bring in a game and get a free weekend pass and the swag bag, I'll have to see what the actual number is. But I, I'll, I won't turn those away. We'll find a place for them if we have to you know, open up side rooms or something like that. But we've never gotten to a point where we just didn't have any room. We'll we'll rearrange the floor plan on the fly if we have to to make it all fit. Right. Okay. So if people uh, want to show off their game because that's something that's really a Texas Pinball Festival thing. It is. Uh, but the, people the, really showing off the, the 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 games that they refurbished uh, and and modded and repainted and God knows what they did to it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, there's, Texas. There's so many games that look better than when they came out of the box originally at the Texas show. That's really amazing. So if are, people want to show off their game and possibly win a best in show award for that, um, I suppose they should go to uh, TexasPinball.com and um, uh, get in contact with you guys. Well, they should. Of course, it's it's. Of course, it always sounds like a big infomercial, but really the website is the key. I mean, it's anything you ever want to know. If you're thinking about bringing a game, there's a whole page about being an exhibitor and what all that entails. But the best in show is a big deal. I mean, we're very lucky that people bring the most beautiful, restored you know, pinball machines you'll see. And this year, we're going to have a lot of home, the new homebrew. Homebrewing seems to be the big hot thing right now. Everybody's making these custom games thanks to you know, the customized uh, boards and and displays and stuff that people mm. can buy. So there's a lot of the homebrew games are going to be coming, and uh, yeah, we're you know the we have a huge collector community that loves uh, showing off their games, and I know a lot of people are getting ready to win that that plaque and that ribbon at the show. Right now, well, what what are the other regular events you have um, right at the very end of the show, along with the the best in show awards? Is you always have a a raffle. raffle. 
Yeah, yes. for a, uh, a, a brand new pinball machine. Uh, is that happening again this year? It is. And of course, it's a it's a carryover from 2020. We, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball, made us a great deal on a Willy Wonka pinball machine. Of course, we didn't get to give it away, so it's been sitting at uh, Jersey Jack Pinball for the last two years. But I mean, we've talked to them, and it's boxed and ready to go, and they're going to be sending it along with a bunch of Guns N' Roses down to the show. Uh, this year's, well, it's the same as 2020. It's going to benefit the National Video Game Museum, which is just down the street, which is a great place if you've never checked it out. It's a neat, um, it's, it's it's more home console games and, and classic arcade games, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, people that come for the to the show, they get in for half price. They show me a wristband and they'll let you in for half price. It's something else to do while you're at the show. But yes, we'll be raffling off a uh, brand new Jersey Jack Pinball Willy Wonka Pinball Machine. Right. Wow. Okay. That, that that will have appreciated in value in the in the two years since so, <laughs> probably, since you originally gave it so. away, along so. with everything else. Right. So, uh, well, as, as speaking of events at the show, um, at previous shows there uh, used to be seminars. Um, now the the show is not that known like other shows for their seminars. But are you doing seminars this year as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we always, do, you know, you're right. It's not really a I don't have multiple rooms with multiple seminars, and but we do try to have something happening for most of the time. Uh, so I can, I've got the list here in front of me of what I have so far, and I can run down it real quick if you like, or well, uh, we'll, we'll have it up on the website here probably in the next day or so. Okay. But I can tell you, uh, so on Friday, scoops, uh, if people, these are scoops because scoops. they're not on the website yet. It's not on the website. Uh, so uh, on. Friday at oh I didn't even put the times down here so I don't I didn't write the times down uh, so uh, Mirko Playfields is going to have a seminar and they've titled it the Forgotten Tales I guess he's got something really cool he wants to show people Fast Pinball is going to be doing a seminar of course Jersey Jack uh, Pinball will be doing a seminar with Jack Winery and Steve Ritchie uh, and of course Friday night will be the TPF Big Smoke for those for you oh, yeah. those partake in the cigars and That'll be out by the Cypress Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Saturday, it, it is, it's, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of people. I'm surprised how many people show up to that thing. That <laughs> you know, that's just something silly that my friend and I uh, started doing years ago, and it just grew and grew and grew, and so now it's a now it's a thing. Uh, of course, Saturday is the swap meet. Everybody's. Yep. I was going to ask about that next, so yep. thank you for confirming that. Yeah, there'll be the swap meet. Uh, we've got uh, a seminar called How to Find, Buy, and Own Your First Pinball Machine. Uh, that'll be by uh, Nick Greenup. Uh, so a, probably 20 years too late for me. Well, <laughs> you know what? You say that, but do you know how many emails I get right before the show from people that says, hey, you know, we're brand new. We're, we're super excited. This is going to be our first Texas Pinball Festival. Can you help? You know, can you help me? And, of course, I... You know, I'm so busy trying to get ready for the show, but you know, I, I think there's so many new people uh, that are getting into the hobby, whether you like that or not. I, but uh, anyway, so that's going to be one of the seminars. I think that'll be a, a good one. Uh, American Pinball will be doing something. Uh, I've got one called Restoration and Rethemes with Ken Head and Jeff Miller from Pimp, uh, Pinball Pimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Multimorphic will be doing a seminar. Scorbit will be doing something. Right. Uh, 
there's uh, this little one called So You Think You Know Pinball with Jonathan Juston and Martin Ayu. But the yeah, I hear one. that sucks. Yeah, so. I'll be that one. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks so bad. I've had y'all doing it now. How many How many years have y'all uh, oh, had y'all back count, to do it? To be honest. Um, I lost but, count. We're, we're, we are, in, uh, are we in the bar doing that again? I think so. I think people enjoy that, don't y'all? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. well, we certainly enjoy it in the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's happy yeah. hour. And, uh... Happy hour, happy hour at the embassy. Now, yeah. I'm going to tell people. Free drink, a lot free of people, gifts. Well, see, and that's just it. I don't know that the embassy, we haven't confirmed that, of course. That's not anything that's in the contract. <laughs> that's just something the embassy has done for years and years and years. I don't know if they're still doing it or not. I can't imagine they're not going to do that, but. But uh, we'll see. If not, yeah. there's going to be a lot of upset people at the Texas Pinball Festival. Well, we're, um, we're, we're sort of out when we're there because we, we have an extra day this time because previously we've always been on Friday. So we've got Saturday to – so we've got an extra oh, day to sort out the PA. There you go. Uh, we're no, no longer opening the show. I can change you back. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can until I actually get the programs printed and the banners printed with the show schedules. I can change all this. I can change it all around. Uh, of course, there's gonna be an autograph session on Saturday uh, mm-hmm. as well, and then of course the big one is the Twippy Awards. Uh, yeah, we'll consume uh, the the rest of the, the the whole evening, and then of course Sunday. The only thing I have set I have scheduled is the uh, award ceremony and the raffle drawing on Sunday at the close of the show. Right. So I do have a couple of spots available. Uh, you know, if I can find something to fill those that I think will you know, would be a good one, then we'll do that. But otherwise, you know, I, I think it's a pretty it'll be a pretty good lineup and give people something to do. Yeah, but, sounds yeah. sounds a, a very impressive list of, uh, of seminars and talks. We look forward to that, and I shall oh. be there, of course, to uh, oh. to report on them and, and photograph them. Uh, are they are they going to go go online? Um, do you know? This is probably a, a level of detail you, you may not know <laughs> at the moment, but will, will, uh, they, will they be uh, available? Streaming it, streaming the, the streaming, seminar, streaming or, or recorded. I think I think so. I think we have a you know our guys try to uh, set up a stream to uh, the Texas Pinball Twitch channel, or there's going to be so many people in there streaming these things. Yeah, I, I can't imagine you plan find a place. Of course, the only ones that I haven't. Um, and I'm sure it'll be confirmed by the time this airs. Of course, I haven't heard back from Chicago Gaming. They're coming to the show, but they haven't confirmed whether or not they want to do a seminar. And of course, Stern Pinballs. I, I can't imagine Stern not doing a seminar, uh, but they just haven't confirmed with me what they want to do. Sure. So of course they'll, yeah. they'll be. I mean, they'll be at the show in full force. I'm just waiting on some details, and uh, it'll it'll all get sorted out here in the next week or so. Excellent. Okay. So uh, keep an uh, eye on the uh, on the website then uh, for the uh, the list of events. That's yeah. it. And, and uh, you know, of course, Facebook is – I don't have as much information on Facebook as we put on the website, but, you know, I try to try to keep up with the social media. Right. And one other thing that um, that is always an issue, I think, when, when people want to come to the show is that the, the hotel is so popular and the show is so popular that uh, all the rooms sell out in, you know, almost a blink of an eye. So – I guess it's it's still the case that there are no rooms available at the embassy suites, or at least in your allocation of rooms. Well, well, and you're right, but I always tell people that you have to keep checking back because you're mm-hmm. right. When the when the hotel goes, when when the rooms go on sale, and that's another thing that people don't quite understand. I don't, you know, the Texas Pinball Festival. All we do is contract with the hotel for the convention center, and we guarantee, you know, that we're going to sell. They're going to book yeah. so many rooms. Yeah. We don't book the rooms ourselves. All we can tell the hotel is, you know, turn the rooms, turn the block on, or turn the block off. 
Well, they, but the, ho- the hotel sells out, you know, within minutes. Yes. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, they're not even sure if they're going to come to the show, but they snag a room and then they release it later. So the, the rooms do come available from time to time at the embassy. And I don't know if the best way is to call them or, or, uh, you know, just keep checking their website, but they do, they do pop up from time to time, or you'll see people posting on the different, uh, you know, pin side and yeah, uh, forums, Facebook groups. Forums. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I, I can't make it. Does anybody want my room? You'll see those kind of posts. But the, the other thing I, I try to stress to people is I don't know if, if they just don't, they don't look at the map or stuff, but there are so hmm. many hotels that are literally, I mean, they're literally across the street. You do not have to you have a car. You don't have to have, I mean, it's literally, you walk out the doors, you you cross the street and you're at your hotel. Uh, and there's several new hotels that are, and they're all kind of surround the the mall that's right across the street. So there's, there's plenty of rooms for people to stay out, but I get it. People want to stay at the, at the hosting hotel. You know, they want to stay at the embassy. Well, and they I don't... remember the stories from previous years and they were quite hilarious of what happens once the show is sort right. of done, but the people are still hanging out, hanging out, drinking, sure, having fun. And, sure. uh, well, there's nothing you can still do that. If you're not staying at the embassy, you can go still to go to the Cypress bar or, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can still do you can still do all that stuff? Or heck, some of the things that go on, you probably just follow a group up to their room. Or but um, anyway, but oh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's just a, a great show to to meet new people and interact with people. And and before you know it, you're invited to a party in <laughs> someone you just met half an hour ago, his room, and you get in there, and there's thirty people and having a blast you know so i one love of these that days, kind of stuff yeah one of these days i'll get to go to some of those parties i don't get to go to those parties <laughs> i hear about I'm, them i hear about them all the time and I, and I and i get invited to them but you know i'm so busy i you know i and by the time the show is done i'm just ready to go to bed and get up and do are. it all over again <laughs> so yeah no, we'll head off to florida and uh, spend a right. few weeks uh, soaking up the sun um, just on the on the point of parties and things like that, there there are no sort of COVID restrictions in in force, are there? In the uh, yeah. the show or in the hotel or in any um, sort of enclosed area? Not, not of as mask t- or anything like that. No, no not of as today. There's you know Texas. There are no there are no mandates in place in the state of Texas or Collin County or the city of Frisco. Now, of course, I encourage everybody to do what feels you know right for them. If you if you want to wear a mask, by all means, you can do so. Nobody's going to say a word to you about it. And of course, we've we've been giving out hand sanitizer long before mm, yeah, any of this happened. And, we, and we've always encouraged people to you know wash your hands and you know of course you know because you're touching the pinball machine. Yeah. But no, there there are no but there are currently no no restrictions in place. Not not, not by us. Not by the embassy. That's you know that's not my that's place good. to tell. No, no, not my. Just want to make sure people coming uh, they they don't turn up if if, if a mask is needed and uh, yeah. didn't bring one you know right no. okay and and there's still no limit on the number of games that you can put in a hotel room <laughs> no you fit as many in there as you as you want to Jonathan okay if you, if you can get them in the elevator you get them past the hotel checkout or the hotel uh, check in I guess we'll find a way yeah <laughs> yeah you can always dress them up as something else. I'm surprised y'all didn't bring up the breakfast at the embassy that they that they offer every day. Yeah, well, it's a great breakfast. It's a, a very good reason to uh, get up early yeah. if it's, it wasn't for the swap meet already. But uh, no, that's absolutely a good, a, a valid point that you bring up. 
Well, how late do y'all do you make it to the swap meet, or do you guys stay up too late yeah. to get up? No, uh, we, uh, we stay there. up too late, and still we make it to the swap meet. Swap meet. Yep. Yeah, I hear that a lot. The pictures and uh, and and grab any any uh, bargains that are going out there because there's, there's always some good deals to be had. And uh, and some of those those trailers turn up and uh, they crack open the back and. Uh, Everybody swarms around like uh, like uh, bees around a honeypot just to see what's yes. what's in there. It's, yeah, the, uh, it's the, always interesting. The, the only problem right now is, and we've had that problem in the past, but I suppose it's only getting bigger. Um, being in from Europe, it's very difficult to bring home a game. I can it see doesn't, that. It doesn't fit in the, uh, in the overhead uh, uh, department at, uh, in, in the planes, and uh, they really don't like you. Walking on board with the back boxes and, and that kind of stuff, so that that's a bit no. of an issue because I I always enjoy the swap meets and I it pains me to see like oh I'd like to buy that and I can't because I can't take it with me. Well, now parts and stuff I think you could take with you, but even a pinball machine, if there if you were ever at a place where you could find somebody to help you ship internationally, I would think the Texas Pinball Festival. Would oh be yeah, it. no, I, there's. There's so many vendors and so many, you know, the manufacturers are all there and they all ship internationally. They, you would think they know how to do it. So yeah, okay. but you can then find somebody to help you. Buying a game cheap and right. then shipping it doesn't mean that it's still cheap. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, the shipping part, days. the shipping part kind of kills it for everybody. Yeah. So, but it, no, absolutely. The, the swap meet is great. I've, I've done some great deals in there. So, um, I'm looking forward to, to being there again. Yeah, and I've got some, and I still have, two, and you probably don't remember, Jonathan, but I have. You bought a book or something, not your, not the, not the magazines, but you actually bought a book, and I bet it's been two and a half, three years. You had it shipped to me so I could give it to you at the Texas Pinball Festival, and I still have it. It's still in the package. I was just looking at it the other day, so oh. I need to remember. That, that'll be the one thing I forget to bring to the show. Huh. Well, if you bring it to the show, it will be like a present to myself because yes. I don't remember what don't, I bought. Yeah. I, I, I've never opened it either, so it's just it's it's addressed to you, and, I, and you remember. I remember you telling me about it. So, anyway, yeah. we'll get it sorted out. Yeah, excellent. So, right. well, well, it's been uh, great having yeah, you on you. the show. Yeah, we're looking forward to the uh, to the upcoming show. It's gonna. It sounds like it's gonna be a killer edition. I hope so, fellas. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm so ready to to make all these people whole that have just held with us, and you know that have you know saved the show. Really, I mean, so I just I just want to get everybody uh, a good pinball show and and get through it. I'm, I'm sure you will. And uh, the action starts at 5 p.m. on Friday, March 25th. Is that correct? That is correct. That is okay, correct. and runs through till Sunday 2:30, where you do the closing ceremony. So uh, correct. If you want uh, more details, texaspinball.com is the uh, website to go to. And um, thank you very much indeed, Ed, Ed uh, Vanderveen, for, uh, for telling us all about this year's show. And we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for having me on, guys. And there you have it, Ed, yeah. Ed Vanderveen of the uh, Texas Pinball Festival co-organizer together with uh, Kim and Paul. Uh, pulling off a tremendous task, but uh, we're so looking forward to to going there. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's an amazing show, and uh, as you heard, you know it's uh, it's going to be even bigger this year, and there's a there's a lot of uh, excitement about it, and uh, oh, we're excited just talking about it. Right. So okay. Well, that rounds it up for uh, uh, this month. 
in case you're attending the Texas Pinball Festival and in case we are, <laughs> we are looking forward to see you there. Yes, and if you're going to the uh, EAG Expo, um, International Expo, um, the next day or so, um, I, well, I'll, I'll be there on Wednesday. So if you're there on Wednesday, I hope to see you there. Right. I will not be there on either Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I blame ticket prices, which is ridiculous because in January I could fly over for $5, seriously. <laughs> $5 for a return ticket. And now I'm. Uh, it's just out of my uh, my budget. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, well. It's it's a relatively small show, so you wouldn't want to. In terms of pinball, well, that, that's anyway. part of the uh, the consideration. Yeah. Um, I was told up front that uh, Electrocoin would be the only uh, uh, distributor present uh, with yeah. a couple of uh, Stern games, and uh, none of the others uh, distributors are present. So. No. As much as I like to catch up with uh, with Doc Score, Gary Stern, and, uh, and introduce myself to uh, Seth Davis, mm-hmm. um, I really hope they make it to the Texas show so we can uh, uh, do the formalities there. Yeah, I'm sure they will. So uh, um, we won't see you, or I won't see you there, but I, well, we will hopefully see you or speak to you again uh, next month when we'll be looking back at all the events that took place in, in March 2020, including, hopefully, the Texas Pinball Festival. And uh, who knows what will come from that and around that time, what new games are going to be announced. So it's going to be an exciting month. We're looking forward to it. And we'll be back um, at the end of uh, March or the start of April to bring you all the, all the news. Right. Okay, so that's it uh, from me. My name is Jonathan. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine. Bye-bye. And from me, Martin, uh, editor of Pinball News, goodbye and see you next month.